0: Hi, I'm Chris Claremont. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, and hopefully reading one of mine. Time for another one of these. And another one. We've opened the door. Clean. Clean as a whistle. Eh, not so clean. Ooh, who wants to be spotless, squeaky clean? That's no fun. Who to keep it most
1: Seeing as we have uh, the dog guy on also, but uh, our old dog now get dirty ass. Gotta like, we gotta, we gotta double check him now when he comes in.
2: Yeah, it's a new thing. it has got all the fur too. So, yeah, yeah.
1: I just shaved all the fur off to try and to try and try and stem this.
3: Baxter it had itchy ass. I took him to the groomers today to get to get fingered.
1: Uh, so he's he should be Oh yeah <laughs>
3: <probably to
0: know. laughs> Okay There we go Hey everybody <laughs> You <laughs> Straight dog talk Yes you are listening to 11 o'clock comics Episode 784 And I'm Vince
2: B You are Vince B
1: I'm David A. Price Indeed you are And I am of course Black Corsantin. But you can call me Santee Or BK Or Black K depending <laughs>
0: You're not any of that. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And we have a guest. Not really. We have a person. We have a family member joining us this time around. And it must be really nice to have entered the stage in your career when you need no introduction. Hmm. That's making it, right?
3: Let's just skip it. Why even do it?
0: No, we have Tony Fleece with us this week. Everybody knows who you are.
3: Happy to be here. Definitely on this show, I feel like everybody knows who
0: I am. I, I think you're yeah, under, sure. I, I think you're underestimating your uh, your societal impact with that. <laughs> that book. Is
3: what I do. It's yes. my way.
0: It's not attractive, <laughs> by the way. So. This is the way.
3: I heard somebody call him Santo as
1: well. They just call that guy everything. Yeah. I think he just yeah, say, yeah, whatever, man. And you know, you, it's it's ballsy because as we know from from man King Dap, some people feel a certain kind of way if you don't call him by their preferred namesake. Yeah. And if I was, you know, a gigantic, badass killer Wookiee, I wouldn't just make assumptions that I could call you whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. What was weird was
3: that show, they made assumptions about what would piss him off. Like, remember we just ripped that one guy's arm off? And I had no idea why. And then somebody on YouTube was like, oh, it's well known that that race of aliens uh, is an enemy of Wookiees.
4: Like, so oh, well is known. it well
3: known? No. So well
4: known.
1: <laughs> so
2: well known you have to find the dark corners of YouTube
1: to find that <laughs> out.
4: What's going on here?
1: I was unaware of that. I guess I'm not up on my – I feel like uh, that whole angle of the show was uh, not as satisfying if you weren't up on the Marvel comics, particularly uh, Dr. Afra, right? That, that seems to be where all that happened.
3: Sort of. I mean, that's where the Black Chrysanthemum stuff was happening at. But all the – I mean, I guess if you read the comics – I do read the comics, but I couldn't tell you what the boss guys are called i I totally forgot that Wookiees hated them and they hate Wookiees. But in the first episode, he shows up and brings a Wookiee skin to Boba Fett. But they didn't even make a point of that. Just, he just had some fur with him.
1: Right. Because I, I felt like I was telling a lot of my friends about a lot of the other stuff that was related to the cartoons. Yeah. Which has you know, been heavily part of all of this because Filoni runs the whole thing. But but uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I love that they connect everything. I mean, I, I,
2: I did appreciate that they didn't they didn't have they didn't explain every little thing if you caught it like 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 you just said with the with 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 the wookie pelt if like if you caught it cool great it's Mm -hmm. a little something extra but if if you didn't it was just some dude paying tribute but it's i yeah i just just tell me a story don't don't and that's a good litmus test
1: too i'm sure you're the same with renee like like beth and the boys they don't have they have only a fraction of the star wars knowledge and so you know, like Beth didn't know anything about the cartoons; she never watched them, but she still found the show highly entertaining. You know, all, all, all three. You know, the, the Mando's, the Mando's, end this season of Boba all highly entertaining. Whereas, like Holden is steeped in the cartoons. I mean, he's he's all up in the cartoons. So for him, he was getting a lot of stuff that you know was lost to her, and and uh, but not. But I like that it's entertaining regardless of your level of 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 depth. You know, regardless I of- did it should be.
2: I, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I I queued up the. The the Grogu scenes from the the season finale when he shows mm-hmm. up in the in the X wing and and then when he's being carted around in in, in, in town and then uh, and then at the end with the rancor so just so she could see. Yeah. She she, had, she didn't care about anything else but I just wanted her and, and of course she, she's just got to make it look at, the, look, look at the doll, look at the puppet just, I'm
0: like oh my god, uh-huh.
2: just stop, just leave it alone it's so cute
0: <laughs> Well I got an angle for you Speaking of angles, Jason If you want to get your books, get them fast and delivered straight to your door there's only one place to go That's Discount Comic Book Service DCBService.com One more time DCBService.com gets you the books you want at the price you want to pay From Image we have Grip of the Combinat from Damon Gentry and uh, says right here, The Wunderkinder, Simon Roy. This is a 16.99 graphic novel, but not for you because you know where to go where the prices are low. You're going to get 40% off. You're paying $10.19. The meat in the middle comes from Last Gasp. It's Heaven's Door Extra Works graphic novel by Keiichi Koike. It is 20 bucks, according to this, but you are not going to pay that. You are going to get it for $13.97. It's an anthology, of course, uh, and that's 30% off. And last, but absolutely not least, it's the Lightfall hardcover graphic novel, volume 2, Shadow of the Bird, skip the synopsis because I don't want to be spoiled. It's from Tim Probert. We talked about him last episode. uh, Published by Harper Alley, $22.99 for the hardcover. You're laughing. You're scoffing at that price because you're only going (laughs) to pay $16.09. You're laughing. Right. If you choose the paperback version, it's available in two flavors. If you choose the paperback version, you are going to pay $9.09, both of which are slashed. (laughs) 30% Thirty percent off. So uh, take a look around dcbservice.com. Look at how much you can save. Big dummies, go there. <laughs> all of it, save all of it. You gotta save. More savings equals more comics.
1: We finally live in a world where comics are going up. Are going up less per year than everything else you buy. Hmm.
0: I long for the days when it was a nickel. Or at the most a dime. And then they got smart and it was a quarter. Um and then whether they jumped from two fifty to two ninety nine, it's like the, the, the jumps were incremental. Now they're a buck. I look at some of the new books coming out, they're four ninety nine. That's way too much for I mean st- when
2: I I remember when the indies were more expensive than the big two mm-hmm. books.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, at least that makes sense. From, right. a, from from and, a small and, publisher, but yeah,
2: but but that it, it didn't take long for Marvel and DC to catch up, or then just charge more. But
4: yeah,
2: yeah. did
3: we talk about this last time I was on? Saga is still just two ninety nine.
0: Yeah, so Spawn. Right, you, I think you mentioned oh, it's it, the line, holding the line.
3: Yeah, I think I must imagine. I'm always just I marvel at that because that because knowing how the image model works, they are literally every month they're saying no to $100,000.
4: Yeah,
1: right?
3: Every yeah. other book is 3.99 and they're just like, that's ah, fine. We do okay." Crazy, right? Yeah, respect. Yeah. <clears throat> God bless.
0: Yeah. I used to think that spawn uh McFarland was great for making spawn 2.99 and then got to give a little <laughs> bit of side eye uh when, you know, th- you're wondering if the book is actually worth the cover price. Right? <laughs> So.
3: how are these are you keeping up with all the the cursed and all that stuff? Nah,
0: I'm I'm done. Gunslinger. I pulled out.
1: Yeah. No. I tried the first issue of each of them because the Todd Father swore to me this was going to be the greatest connected universe of all time. Yeah. And uh mm. I was out after one issue. Yeah. Each.
0: Which it, one
3: is the team one? Is that the cursed? Scorched. Scorched, sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um they're lacking. But I mean, I'm not going to going to cast a shadow over anybody enjoying them if you're loving them keep buying them but uh I, i've reached my crescendo with spawn mm-hmm. i think
3: well you still buy the main one right i
0: oh, know no i'm done
3: <gasps> goodness
0: yeah
1: finished yeah times they are changing
3: man, oh, man. Happen. Happen? i miss an episode or is this the revelation right here
0: no i i stopped around i stopped when uh Spawn. Was announced. I I just took a step back. I looked at the book. Am I really enjoying this? Am I getting my money's worth? Do all of the typos aggravate (laughs) me to the point where I just, mm, I just can't do it anymore? And then I wasn't thrilled with the art, and the storyline was contrived and stuff we've seen before. Oh look, Billy Kincaid! Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. But no, I'm I'm just done.
3: I think I have a replacement for you tonight. Uh, Oh! Oh, look at you. Fill a little hole in your, a little sponge
4: Look in. at you.
0: Nice. Before we get into the comic talk, um, I am drinking black and tan. So let's move on.
1: <laughs> of the yingling variety? It,
0: it, it, yes. Okay. I'm not throwing it out. Yeah, yeah. You cool. didn't buy it. I didn't. Someone did, but, but of course I, I did. What... Hey,
1: listen, we all we, we all we all we all use PayPal like we're go- like it's one of the business, and that that meet Peter Thiel rich, and he's the engine behind Trump. So I guess we all have our peccadillos.
2: No but he doesn't. Have, but he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, aside from being like the founder, does he have anything to do with the day to day? I thought he. No, no, but he. Okay. But but his money. I mean, in no small right. Part well, it's company. just like Ike and Marvel. So. Right,
1: exactly. Yeah, that. Right, exactly. It's it's like when you get to talk about these big companies, there's there's people on both
0: sides that are gonna mm-hmm. please you or piss you off, right? Yeah. Speaking of Marvel, happy birthday, Elizabeth Olsen. Mm-mm. Oh, really? Yeah, it's her birthday. How old is she? Thirty three. Oh, she's older than I figured. Yep.
3: Younger than I figured. I feel like I've known about her for like twenty years. What?
0: I like mean, I her sisters, not. maybe, but his
1: older yeah. her older sisters aren't even forty. There's no way, right?
0: I don't know. he? What the twins
2: are? I, There's I, no way they're forty. I couldn't care less. But Elizabeth. I mean, they look like miles of bad road. But yeah. What? Uh, what's your cake cup, Tony?
3: Oh, uh, I don't know. It's just from the Keurig. I'm having coffee. I, I didn't even look. I was I was in a frenzy to get this thing made so we could get going.
0: <laughs> a petulant right. frenzy. A frenzy, he says. <laughs>
3: it was non-flavored coffee.
0: That's what about you, Bill. It's got you. Got eat it. I got this here
1: iced coffee uh, with some almond milk and uh, one Splenda. It's my go-to, and then uh, after I finish that off, I've got some uh, G Zero Glacier Cherry flavored. Glacier cherry.
3: You and me are
1: just be cherry. Wait, say what? What we're Splenda Bros? You and me, we we both fuck with Splenda like that. Oh, I fuck with the Splenda, yeah, and it drives me nuts because years ago our good friends the Kennedys were over, and my friend Kathy uh, read yeah exactly read something about how like Splenda could give you cancer. Yep. And so now, like, every time I pull out a Splenda packet, my kids are like, oh, you're going to get the cancer. And I'm yep. like, could you not say that every time I eat fucking Splenda? I eat Splenda every day of my life. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to be thin.
3: Whatever <laughs> <laughs> else <does> happens. <laughs>
1: Seriously.
3: Leave me, me alone with my chemicals. Seriously. oh uh, shit. Now, is Kathy still going by Kate?
1: <laughs> she never went by Kate.
3: I remember so I- you were talking about. No,
1: you got it wrong. She 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 was always Kathy, and then when she went to college, she decided she was going to be Catherine. Oh, Catherine, and and, uh, and I refused, and now she's back to being Kathy. I feel like the Kennedys are the real fourth chair around here. I I love I love. And, you know out. they're they're a big. I mean they're as big a part of my life as you all are. Yeah, they're beautiful, interesting. So, well, it's just true. I mean, no, I'm I, saying, I said all. interesting.
0: That's a word.
1: Ah, you said it like it like yeah. you were hurt by it, and I'm like, oh okay. You know? <laughs> <sighs> if you're feeling some kind of way? Nah, I
0: got a steel trap around my heart. Words are hey, not going to no, hurt. Yeah, but I've already told you. I mean,
1: I, I love you. I probably, you know, I love you like you're like in my super circle of trust. Like there aren't many people that I I, I love as much as I love you, you schmoes.
0: Oh, I believe that, and I've seen it. So, you know, Dap, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I am uh, I am enjoying a rather lovely whiskey sour uh, crafted by the Bartesian. So. Tony's oh doing shit. The, the K cups with coffee, I'm doing the K cups of cocktails. Now how long does it take to
1: like is the Bartesian you Gotta drink
0: into the microphone like that?
1: <laughs> what is that about? Oh my bad. Is the Bartesian <laughs> uh like does it take about the same time it takes to make a K cup in terms of drink or is it a longer process?
2: Yes, no, it's it's the, the you slap the capsule in. And what's cool about it is that um it whatever every capsule lid has a uh, has a barcode so you, you slap it in the machine you close the cover and it um and it reads the barcode and it lets you know based on whatever drink you're about to make if you need to put under the spout a um a low ball with ice eyeball with ice a shaker with ice and and this way everything gets poured into that and and you're good to go but it takes yeah it it's yeah about the same same amount of time as a uh as a cup. nice i got to see this contraption. i got to come visit you again. Well, hey, I mean, it's almost May. We can make it an annual thing.
0: Nice. Right, let's talk about the comics. Yeah. Right. yeah, chop, chop. What do we got? No, chop, 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 he says. Yeah. Now, chop, now he's like tapping chop. the watch.
2: I know, right? Hey. I. I, why I they want came. to uh,
1: just quickly mention, because it's not something that, that would require a deep dive, but you all know that I struggle with the G.I. Joe comics. I, I always want them to be great, and they so rarely are. Um, so I just took a chance because this was like – I was like, this could be kind of fun. Uh, IDW has a new four-issue miniseries out called G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, Saturday Morning Adventures. Mm. And the premise is very simple. It's it's just a comic that's done in the style and uh, and continuity of the cartoon which of course is the was the gateway drug for me to be a GI Joe fan. And I figured, well, could be terrible, right? It could be absolutely terrible, but it could also be litty. So, I'll give it a try. And I got to say it it was a lot of fun. And and with it's and it here's the thing. If you can as an adult listening to this, put on an episode of the cartoon and despite it having quite a few flaws as an adult because, you know, it It is if it's time. But if you can watch it and still get joy from it, you will you will very much enjoy this comic series. If you if you don't have any nostalgic pull toward the cartoon, uh, then this is something you should avoid wholeheartedly. But this was basically it's a four issue miniseries. This was like a episode of the show where they have it's like a multi-part episode. Uh, It's written by Eric Burnham with art by Dan Schoening. I'm heretofore unaware of, of Shoning's work other than this. He's, colors by, what's that? He's
3: the Ghostbusters guy. Like when you see the
1: Ghostbusters that looks cartoony and fun, that's him. Okay, cool. And colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. And it looks, it is drawn and colored to look like the cell animation from the cartoon. I mean, it, I have to give them credit there because I'm often very hard on IDW, particularly when it comes to their staple of G.I. Joe artists. And in this case, the art is perfectly evocative of the 80s cartoon like it, it just it could very much be frames from it and that is exactly what i was hoping for the dialogue and, and the the corny jokes and the interstitials are exactly like the cartoon it's just a really really well done uh homage to that specifically and the the concept is uh cobra commander finds a magic lamp rubs it and he's a genie and the genie's giving him three wishes oh that's pretty awesome yeah, so this first wish is to turn a bunch of battle android troopers into giant Godzilla-sized battle android troopers, and uh, and hijinks ensue. Wow. So I loved it. I really did love it, uh, and I it's it's I hope it's successful enough that they continue uh, with this. And I'm guessing because on the top of the cover, where it says the Saturday morning adventures, it's. It looks like it's a it's a brand like a branding beyond that. So I'm I'm guessing IDW and Hasbro have plans to release these miniseries for their other um Hasbro uh lines too. Like I'm sure it's I'm guessing there's gonna be a Transformers and there's gonna be
0: Well uh, for, you know, for the time
1: I'll, being. That that's I know, of course, yeah. But all these things are are for the time being. But but, uh, yeah, so two thumbs up, uh, which is an unusual, it's unusual for me to praise an IDW G.I. Joe book.
0: I was just going to say that. It's rare that you talk up an IDW book.
3: Well, this, this brings up an interesting question because
4: mm-hmm.
3: I was I at was lunch with a friend yesterday, and we were talking about because IDW is losing the license to G.I. Joe, and he's
1: a, he's a,
3: a guy that's drawn G.I. Joe before, and he was like, I just want to find out where it's going next, and like I would love to do covers for that again.
1: It's going like, to uh, Skybound, I thought. I thought that was already announced.
3: I, I don't know if it's announced or if it was just rumored, but what do you think? What's the take that they should do? Like, what the fuck would you do with GI Joe to make it a comic book that mattered? In in besides this thing that you just described, that sounds great. Like, what will you do with it as a as a comic book?
1: I, I've always been confused by IDW because I, to and, and certainly Vince can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. I haven't read. You know, I would say an inordinate amount of their Transformer stuff, but but what I have read, I I've thought has more often than not been quite good, and and I I have thought just the opposite with the GI Joe stuff, and for me, it's all about the artists. I I feel like most of the IDW GI Joe artists are subpar, below what you would expect of a on the shelves modern comic, and I and yet I think the Transformers artists are quite often very good, yeah. uh, you know. Again, and so I I don't know why there is such a dichotomy there. Uh, and so my solution would be, and I'm sure Kurt would be get get good artists, pay good artists. I mean that that's the big, that's the first that's the first step.
0: Yeah. The the one thing that turns me off, GI Joe, not being a fan, but when they try and integrate it into contemporary settings, and and situations that just mm-hmm. does not work for me. I yeah, would right, much I rather GI
1: Joe fighting the Taliban. That's the right. Yeah.
0: Know. That that's no bueno. But um, right. Treat it like a superhero thing. Ha- have Super-powered,
1: cool, gimmicky yeah. super-soldiers fighting super-powered, cool, gimmicky evildoers. Uh, yeah, I'm with you.
0: Is Cobra not enough? Like, do you really need uh, modern-day terrorists in the mix? No. Yeah. I, I would think Cobra Commander and, Dest- and Destro, they would, they would be more than enough. But mm. the, the thing that, that kind of squelched um, my enjoyment of the Transformers franchise at IDW was the very announcement that they lost the license. Mm. So it's like now I think Ruckley's doing great work with the book. And he has for a while, not only the main Transformers, but, you know, the other stuff. And I'm reading them and I'm enjoying them very much. But I'm thinking this is not long for this world. All this right. continuity is going to just disappear soon. And that's not a problem per se. But when you're waiting for the hammer to fall at the end of the year, it's like, all right. They, I, I know there's a, a, a earth-shattering storyline planned but what's it going to amount to are the new people going to pick it up probably not um Mm -hmm. that's not to say that the story won't be good and won't be enjoyable it certainly will be but that 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 blade that's hanging over the head of, of idw's transformers it's a downer man because it's i buy everything transformers um with the exception of beast wars and um i love it but it's the clock is ticking
3: let me uh, see if I can help turn that frown upside down, my friend. Because <laughs> for me, like that sort of thing is so exciting when I hear about it. Not because like the people who are not going to get work and all that. Like all that stuff sucks, obviously. But the thing with like ongoing IP comics is it doesn't end. Like you're always in the second act, and so like the idea that these people that have been making this book you've been reading for that long finally get to do an ending that's like the end. That that sounds exciting to me, because it just seems like, you know, if they've been good at the middle, I bet they probably have had an idea of what they would do if they ever ended it, or at least, you know, I right. mean, just see what it would be, knowing that they they're not coming back next month.
0: Well, they can't do anything really over the top, because the current continuity in Transformers is before the events of the Unicron saga, right? So they can't alter anything to the point where it doesn't segue into the continuity they uh, parted with mm. on the last incarnation right so you know who if you've read them you know who was in those books and you know what happened so they can't really manipulate the playing pieces to the point where the stuff that came after doesn't make any sense right yeah right, right. so they're they're kind of it's it's a it's a bit of a uh catch 22 right we have mm-hmm. total freedom but we have no freedom at all because this this has to happen now
1: so t- tony since you spent a good chunk of the last uh part of your life steeped in uh ip based comic work mm-hmm. um i i've wondered this do do the owners of the ip you find, are they heavy-handed about allowing you, particularly as, as, as a writer, to, to create new characters?
4: Um,
3: no. I'm, this is Ponies, so I feel like they sort of, there's less of a, like, they weren't as concerned with the continuity. There are people out there that super care about it, but I don't think the licensor uh, was really aiming for those people at all you know like they're just aiming for kids and so we would they would do the thing where you would invent the most characters is anytime they do like a one-off solo story or like a micro series or something like that where you just focus on one character you know you have to introduce somebody else to have them talk to you know or have them go up against or whatever Um, and we would create new characters all the time and but i think the the licensor was way more involved at the beginning of series than they would be on like an issue to issue day to day. Did I go away with that? yeah That was weird.
0: No, we're good. I, it just oh. farted. I don't know why.
3: <clears throat> um, no, Jason left.
0: Uh I'll get him. Keep talking.
3: Uh, yeah, I think, <laughs> hold on. The licensors would be much more involved in like a, uh, beforehand, planning stuff out, and then once you were in like the the issues, then that was just more in between editorial and you, and and the licensors wouldn't have much to say about it. They, they they sort of stayed out of it after you, after the editors and and the the team at IDW cleared like this is our idea for this book. Then once they got that approved, then then the licensors pretty much just would say like, fix this leg, or you know, I don't think they would say that. Maybe but. right. Nothing
1: major. Because, like... Well, and, Vince, it seems... Like, I guess it doesn't seem like we see too many new Transformers or new G.I. Joe characters
0: created, right? Like, like I don't... Well, the last one I can really remember was Windblade. And that was right. a, a fan-created character. There so... was one...
3: Was a Gage? I Because I did Pony's Transformers. That was, the, like, one of the last Pony things I did. Um, and they they had written in like we want to put these specific newer characters into it okay
0: yeah i mean i may be misremembering but i think the character that launched the new series the one that was killed off on cybertron and that that opened the whole new i I don't think i've seen him before but Mm -hmm. again i i'm not uh well versed in all every transformer that ever was you know but uh Uh, Yeah, the thing I wanted to ask you, you were talking about new characters. um, And I love you and I respect what you do, but I don't read the ponies books. So (laughs) um, were any of the characters that you just created um, made into figures? And if so, did you get anything from it? Uh, No
3: and no. Uh, We got our stuff turned into merchandise a lot of the time because, especially when we first started, uh, they only had the stuff from like when the TV show first started, like licensors, um, and when we first started making comics, they were just like, "Holy shit!" Like every month, they just crank out like ten new pieces that we could put on stuff. So they just went crazy and like hot topic at all kinds of shirts and stuff. But uh, the contract uh, at IDW for that stuff was uh, not generous. <laughs> so ah. we just it was. I made a lot more money being a person that drew, drew My Little Pony comics than I made drawing My Little Pony comics. If that makes sense. like Yeah, the,
0: sure. Conventions and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah the
3: leveling up and being able to do conventions and, and actually have a whole audience that was sort of built in with the book was where the money was at. Well, I think
0: that could be said for the majority of guys working in comics, right? That sure. you, you make more money at the shows than you do per page, uh, in, in, unless you're not Craig Capullo, right? That's not
3: my experience anymore,
2: but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... <laughs> Of course, I think we. um, There was a conversation I think Jason and I had at 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 our first Heroes. Dave Wacker was there, and I believe um, the impression I got, and this is years ago, that when it comes to when it comes to publishers who may pay a living wage or pay well, IDW isn't really on the the list there. Yeah.
3: Yes. Uh, it was a very, very good home for me, kept me kept me living for a long time, and I could draw right. them fast enough that it didn't, it didn't suck too bad, but yeah, it wasn't like they were paying a, a fortune.
4: Well, it, Jason, it's-
3: also to answer your question about Transformers artists versus G.I. Joe artists a little bit, I think just on like a personality basis, those Transformers artists are like lunatics who just... Love to draw those transform like you know like it's one of the, it's like they have a very specific thing that they want to do in their life mm-hmm. yeah and I think GI Joe guys are just sort of like guys that get conscripted
1: into drawing the GI Joe comic yeah I think that's fair because like cause like right like the the level of technical precision. One needs to draw the Transformers books is its own thing, right? And like, there's a reason why Livio Ramadelli does every con, and he he's always only asked to draw robots, right? And I wonder if sometimes he'd like love to not draw a robot, but people ask him to draw robots, right? Or Guido Guidi, it's like draw me a robot, and you know,
0: so but yeah, I
1: I love Livio, but
3: I mean they just like their their head is is different. They love to draw that all that tech stuff,
0: right? It's and it's true, but I think the real test of a Transformers artist and you can almost see their eyes glaze over when um y- they're reading a script and it includes human beings. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What? I got to draw <laughs> uh, like I mean, All Hail Megatron the, 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 was a very good story, but the human beings in that story were not
4: <laughs> deliciously
0: <laughs> rendered, let's just say that." Right, right. So these guys are great with the with the the robots in disguise, but whenever you throw uh, a human being in there, mhm S- some are better than others. Yeah. No, not
3: really solve that problem I think was the Transformers manga. They put those out. Their, their people looked as good as their robots, I thought.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of manga. I got something. I don't know if yes. if um Jason, have you read Deserter by James? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. good. By uh, Junji Ito. It is, of course, published by Viz. Another anthology from Junji Ito. This one, um, if if you go back and you scan all the old episodes, I talk about Junji Ito. Always praise the dude. Deserters and Mixed Bag. Um, I think it contains some of his all-time best work and some of his not-so-great work. Because it is a collection of his older work mm-hmm. from the the uh, the seven. I think it's the seventies and eighties. Is it? Let's see the back cover here. I should have written this down, right? Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. But it's older work uh, before he was established as the tour de force that he is now. But there are some. Um, stories that uh, they stick with you, and um, I'll tell you about them. It opens up great. There's um, a story called BioHouse. Short little thing. Got a guy with um, a a fat cat with very uh, outre tastes, especially in food. Um, He owns a a biotech company, and uh, a young lady who happens to be a research assistant at said biotech company? He invites her to his little country home, and uh she walks in, and the guy's very eccentric. He has uh a squadron of violinists in his in his uh entryway that are that are always playing, and, and the woman sits down, her name's uh Kubota, and the guy has a spread on the table, and it's cockroaches. And uh, grasshoppers and snakes, um, uh, lizards and frogs and something that a lot of stuff that the average person would not eat. But um, this this woman has uh, somewhat eccentric tastes in food as well. And so he kind of challenges her. Would you eat this? And gives her a bug and she eats it and she's kind of repulsed. Um, and he's and he's reveling in eating this bug. He's like, yeah, sometimes they even have parasites. It's the greatest thing. Uh, but he gets to the point where um, he said, okay, I have something for you. And he, he goes off panel and she's sitting there and she's thinking, man, this guy has me beat. Like He will eat just friggin' anything. Uh, he comes back with a glass of, uh, a wine glass full of his own blood. And and she just won't drink it. She's She puts up a fight and he goes ballistic and stabs himself in the neck and his blood is squirting all over the place turns out it's a really strange story turns out the violinists were vampires and he's the blood is squirting out of his neck and he's turning like uh lloyd kaufman the blind lloyd kaufman in terra firma when he's in the the restroom and he's he's trying to pee into the urinal and someone calls his name and he turns and he's pissing all over everybody that's kind of like this uh where the the man turns and he's just spouting blood everywhere um and and it, there's a struggle but uh it, there's something about a mutant camel cricket that uh, the, the woman finds his his uh cache of of bioengineered oddity animals that he would were waiting till they matured so he can eat them uh, and there's a an no esque ending but it's just a really strange oddball disturbing in a visceral way uh Junji Ito story like that's this is what we've come to expect from Junji Ito but not every one of these stories is stuff that um, one thinks uh, when they associate you know with with the author the the one story that really devastated me. I think it's the best story in the book, by far. And it, ironically, it does not contain any of the things that that we attribute to to Junji Ito. There's no extra dimensional elder gods trying to break through in you know the Lovecraftian um, way that I- Ito does it. There's no spirals or 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 um, Ambulatory souls, or walking dead, it's, it's, it, or cosmic horrors—it's—it's it's a it's mundane story, really. Uh, it's called Bullied. Yep,
4: That's it, the best story for it,
0: sure. by far, and it is yeah. so. It, I mean, it, it it will stick with you long, long after you, you read it. Um, it. It's very simple. There's the—it's a—it's a story about a boy and a girl. <laughs> uh, the boy, his name is Yutaro, and the girl is Kuriko. And they're about to be married, and she's—they're sitting in a park, and she says, "I got—I have a confession to make, and I, I don't think you know you're going to be too too hot to marry me after I tell you." Um, and she launches into this tale uh, where she was a little girl, and she would frequent um, a park in hopes of crossing paths with Yutaro, um, on whom she had a crush and Yutoro's a a boy and he's got his friends around him so he he you know cat he he dismisses her and he makes fun of her and and um he just didn't have time for her and um so she she's uh, irate as much as an irate a uh, little girl can be irate um and and this is where Naoya enters the picture and this is a little boy younger than even uh, Kuriko and um he's got no friends they just he and his mother just moved to the area and the, the mother asks uh kuriko if she would play with her son and, and she's like yeah you know i i guess so but whenever kuriko would go to the park little naoya would be there begging to play with her right and so he became very attached to to kuriko she, uh, on the other hand, hated every minute of it. Um, he was, after all, separating her from her beloved utero. So she starts to abuse the boy, and it, it's pretty small stuff at first. She pulls his ears, or she'll yell into his ear, scream into his ear. Um, she forces him to drink dirty water, but then she she amps it up. Like she actually canes him in in one sequence. She beats him um with what looks like bamboo and and she even pushes him into the path of a vicious dog. Like they don't uh Ito doesn't show what happens, but you can assume like the the boy at the very least got a, scratched her bit, right? But um so she put him in a in a life threatening situation just for shits and giggles, right? So Naoya moves away and this is when Kuriko connects with Yutaro and they become boyfriend and girlfriend and they start dating, right? And, and, and brings it to the point at the beginning of the story where she's making her confession, but it's not over. Um, somewhere along the line, she met up with Naoya, the little boy she abused and, and, and he's all grown up and they fall in love. And bada bing, Naoya is the reason for Kuriko's confession. She's like, I, I don't love you, I love Naoya, and you're done, we're done. So um so Yudoro's out of here, and Kuriko and Naoya get married, and they have a son. And the son's name is Hiroshi. It's it maybe it's implied in the story that maybe it was intentional. But Naoya leaves her. And now she's a distraught single parent. uh, Scratching to make ends meet. Um, She's short-tempered. And uh, now she begins to see her husband as a boy in her son, Hiroshi. And she begins to abuse him. She thinks... He's a young now, yet to the point where the very last page, um, she dresses up as a schoolgirl with pigtails and a uniform that does not fit quite right. Because now she's a, a, a opposed, supposedly approaching middle aged woman, and it's left hanging what she's going to do and to her own son. It's super fucked up. It is massively disturbing. It is it is freaky. You, now, what do you think? Do you think she kills him? Because the look in her eye in that last panel, yeah. she's fucked up. She looks like she's going to kill him.
1: I don't know if I thought of it that way because I thought maybe it would be even more hellacious if he just tortures her and abuses a kid of, like, I mean, he's a young kid. Like, he's got years of abuse looming maybe, right? Like. I don't know,
0: man. But the, the but fact, either way, I mean, the well, she's kid's she, about
1: to have a right she,
0: she definitely slid into madness to the point where oh, for sure yeah, she yeah. she pulled the past into the present thinking her own son is is her uh, absent husband as a boy like it's just it's very yeah. disturbing it, it, there's something cool about the fact that one of the freakiest
1: Edo stories ever
0: uh is one of the only that wasn't supernatural right that's what i'm saying it's it's yeah. very yeah. very mundane um there there's not a paranormal lick in the thing, and it's yeah it's off putting at first you think you're waiting for some kind of ghost or something to to have possessed the girl but no it's just it's just a, a young lady that that went off the deep end and relished mm-hmm. relished abusing a young boy uh when she was a kid and that never left her so you're you're it's it's a monster story of course, but not uh A supernatural monster it's it's a human monster which is even worse it's crazy uh but and and uh the title um story is really great deserter it's it's about a group of people that um take in a deserter from the japanese army in world war ii and don't tell him that the war's over for years they put on a charade that um the war is still going on. Uh I won't say why they do it, but they perpetuate this this scenario where um they have someone come to the door pretending to be an MP looking for deserters uh just so the man in the back room can can hear and just believe that um the war is still going on. It's it's very disturbing, but it's not unlike many Ito stories. There, there is a a twist at the end that that is very well grounded in Edo stuff, but man, this book was alternately wonderful, and there are a couple stories that overstay their welcome. I think they go on a little too long. They're a tad bit on the boring side, and like it's a mixed bag, right? It's an anthology, albeit one done by one person, but it's it's it has its ups and downs. It's definitely worth it. It's it's a very worthy purchase. So you could see the development over Junji Ito um, over time, like in his visual voice. Uh, the, the early stories are very streamlined. The, he, he doesn't have the finesse with, with um, figure drawing as he does mm-hmm. now. But um, I, again, uh, so as, as, a, as an artifact, it's, it's worth it. But there's a couple stories in here that rank with the best of anything he's ever done. So yeah, gotta, I mean I, I think in terms
1: of conceptual continuity it it's it's interesting that you bring this up now because it's not dissimilar to uh how I felt about reading optic nerve last week with Tomine, right? Where right. where you get to see Tomine at his rawest beginning form and as a visual storyteller nowhere near what he becomes um but it was neat to see, and it was neat to see the progression. And similarly with this, uh, I think some of the stories, uh, in particular, um, "Bullied" and "and Deserter," uh, it's as good as, as anything that he would do decades later. But but yeah, like you said, you really, of all the stuff I've read of his, this this was the most startlingly different visually. Right. Still good. I mean, still good for sure. Right? But 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 just different. And you. You, I wouldn't have necessarily thought it was Edo if you just showed it to me, at least parts of it, and and so that's pretty neat. I I, I like that part, and and like you said, it's an anthology. So, I mean, I have found with almost all anthologies, it's it's ne- it's rarely, if ever, a perfect. Right? There's always stuff that kind of falls flat, and 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 with Edo's uh, anthology, it's the same. There are, there are often stories within an Edo compilation that I, I find a little uh, a bit of a whiff, or or particularly go on for a little too long, and uh, and that's fine, you know, because I know I'm going to have some bangers in there too. Right. And even right. when the ones that don't really hit his home, I still get the visuals. So uh, so I, I don't I don't mind that 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 uh, that 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 cycle of 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 uh, you know ups and downs. It's fine.
0: Yeah, and there's the trademark Ito stuff in here. There's a there's a story about a dead eyed boy who goes soul hunting with a butterfly net. I won't explain it. It's kind of like SpongeBob Jellyfishing. Uh read it. It it's a good story. There's a, another story about a a girl who could steal uh faces. It it's called Face Thief. She's a, a young lady who's in in uh high school and if she likes your face, she can steal it to the point where she's your exact double. And the uh the stuff that spirals out of that, it's it's good stuff, right? But um, there are two really, really landmark stories in here that'll just blow up your world. It's uh, bullied, especially. Will will you're not going to forget it when you read it. It's just nuts, yeah. So get it, uh, deserter Junji Ito. Put it on the shelf with the other stuff because you need it. He's he's one of the best, even at this stage.
3: Yeah. Agree. There you go. You want me to go? There you go, of course. Uh, I've got some books. I'm going to do quick hits tonight because uh, we just I just got invited on the show this morning, so I, I didn't uh, prepare all week or anything. I just read some stuff this afternoon, so it would be fresh in my mind. Um, this first book, you guys have talked about it on here before, um, and it's Bermuda by John Lehman and Nick Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: it is beautiful. The Oscar winner
3: oh it who's was it yours
2: uh me and Vince I think
3: yeah uh to me it's like a cliffhanger comic it's like exactly the same vibe and Scott Dunbeer being the editor of it I think I don't know if he had anything to do with that vibe or if it's just like what Lehman and Nick Bradshaw were going for but it reads like you know like a a danger girl specifically or a little bit like a battle chaser in just sort of that way where it's just like what's the opposite of decompressed right like
0: condensed sure yeah i think <laughs> yeah. you hit the target right in the middle right dead center with with your comparison to cliffhanger totally yeah. yeah it's
3: like there's a there's like what in today's world would be like 20 issues worth of adventure in this four issues because everybody she goes up against, you know, she just fights this. It's a whole island. The setup is uh, a boy and his sister crash in, a, in their dad's private jet onto this island, and uh, the sister gets kidnapped by fish people, and the the boy gets meets this lady named Bermuda, this this teenage girl named Bermuda, and she's like a, a like a Tarzan or a, a kazar or a uh commandy you
0: know like she, yeah commandy meets doc savage
3: yeah she's in charge of this island like she she's not in charge of the island but she like knows her way around and she's like you want to be with her she's like his his protector and his tour guide um and they keep running into different sects of people who live on this triangle island in the bermuda triangle and there's like you know rat people uh and there's mm-hmm. dinosaurs and giant lizards and 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 then there's also, like, other humans who have gotten trapped there. And there's a pirate – there's, like, a pirate land. But this all happens in four issues. You know, like, they run into all these different groups of people in four issues. And then, you know, like, it all sort of comes to a head in the fourth issue. But I'm reading it. I'm just like, man, in a – it's sort of like when I think back to Monkey – I mean, I'm not trying to make a comparison to Arthur Adams because it's Nick Bradshaw. But when I think back to Monkey Man O'Brien – and how I would just be reading that book, and I would just be like, I would love to read this book for the rest of my life. Like I just want to yeah. live inside this book and just see what other weird avenues they're going to go down in this thing. Um, I don't
0: and that, think it's disrespectful to make an Art Adams comparison when you're talking about Bradshaw.
3: Yeah, yeah, but I, but everybody does it, and I, I like. That, that wasn't the part that I was talking about. Like, not that their art looks similar, just like that, that's that sort of storytelling by the, where it's just like unlimited ideas going on in this thing where, you know, there's only going to be this little bit of it, at least for, for the time being, you know, yeah. hopefully this isn't a monkey man and O'Brien situation. Hopefully they do more of this soon. But I think on the, like the, the downside of that is um, it is sort of like that faster, clippier, storytelling where they, you don't get as deep on the characters as, as uh, modern day comics sometimes do. And even like other John Layman comics do, you know, like chew, you got incredibly deep on those characters. And this one, it's just like, we're going to cram in so much stuff in here. That's like, these will have incredible drawings and there'll be great action and, you know, great adventure and stuff. But like, I don't, I don't come away from this being attached to any of the characters too hard you know i would just like to see more of their adventures do they look so cool
0: uh, yeah how cool would it be if they published this treasury-sized oh the yeah works? well yeah.
3: so i went to a show with nick bradshaw like overseas and um he was raised on like the band dessinée, uh like european format comics and that's all he was trying to do with this he like it was right when he was just starting to work on this with john and he was just like he told me that a he wished that he had a book that was just his that, you know like he could have his name on a spine and that you know like people could be like that's the Nick Bradshaw book and that and that b he would love for it to be sort of like those adventure comics those band dessinées that he grew up reading so I feel like on those two scores he definitely delivered on this thing
0: oh yeah yep
3: yeah um, and then I told you I found a replacement for Spawn for you uh, Vince and I think it's Ants. I feel like you just need to get, put this ant comic, this, hmm. this bizarre ant comic in your life, and just let it live there in Spawn Town. And, and it Spawn's going to be in the next issue anyway, Like so that's best of both worlds.
0: Yep, yep.
3: This comic, I buy because a way to get me to check something out is if I see the ad for it, or I hear that it's being made, and I can't fathom how or why, or any, like, I, I don't know why this exists, or, or, or how he finds time to do two comics at the same time. I guess he's sort of doing both of them a little bit slower than he has in the past. But uh, I'm just delighted by this. It's almost like a, uh, he's done those 24-hour comics before. And it seems like he's just really cranking on this thing. But, again, I don't know why he would do it in the first place. Like, it's just so crazy. Uh, I don't and, th-
0: think there's anyone who has figured out Eric Larson.
3: The the carefree nature of it is what makes it enjoyable for me, though, because he's obviously just like, well, this is a thing I want to do, but he's he's doing it so fast that he's just like, ah, right, Josh fight fighting terrorists, you know, and you're just like, all right, well, when did this happen, you know? All oh, this new issue that came out today, uh, it's just like zipping through story, and it almost seems like he's got a place where he wants to get the character, or even crazier. He wants to get it to a place where it matches up with the Mario Gully original <laughs> story. How yeah. for, for who I have no idea.
0: Right, uh, that's what I was thinking. It's like he he obviously thinks that there will be someone who actually cares the, uh, about continuing because he made a zero issue.
3: Well, yeah, because this is issue two, and the zero issue was also like ant number fourteen or whatever, right? Right, but,
0: it, finishing the the Gully continuity. It's like what. Is there a long line of people that are waiting for that? Like I don't, I don't get it. But he does what he does, right? Uh, the thing I love about the book is that he's not doing it in his regular penciling mode. It's much looser. It's more Frank Miller esque mm-hmm. in, in that it's bare bones and he's and he's experimenting and it's it's very expressive and all over the place and kinetic. I mean everything I want from Eric Larson, but I gotta be totally honest, I really don't care about the character. I, I, I'm just buying it for the beautiful art. That's it.
3: Yeah, you're like, this is what I wanted, but not like this. Yeah. I, I, I wonder do you think he's penciling? Like how like how I, I would love to see one of these pages come together like one of those Felix videos where he just clips a, a camera to an artboard and see how like how long this takes, what, what's going on? Because it does have so much energy, like he's just cranking
0: on these things, yeah, I would bet that he's doing very rudimentary pencils, basic, simple shapes, and he's probably doing all the work in the inks i would yeah. get, i would get that's the way it looks to me, uh and I think it looks great, but uh again if she got shot in the head in the last panel of an issue i wouldn't I wouldn't really care what would happen next issue, just keep making those beautiful images.
3: The one thing that I feel like is strange in the, like the ant, the Mario Gully ant comics. It was a very sexy ant lady. Like that. Like if you had asked me to describe ant, I'd be like, "Oh, it's a, it's like a it's carnage, but very sexy."
4: And yeah.
3: Ants or you know, uh, antennas. Um, and then weirdly, it was also based on his daughter. I don't <laughs> know that man's life, but uh, Larson, who is very sexual in his comics. I think rightfully, if he decided to keep her a teenager, has sort of shied away from that. But like, th- this has none of the cheesecake that that the gully stuff has. He's just this is just a a superhero that's in a uh, you know bodysuit. Yeah, or maybe he, that's just not his. Like he draws stuff sexy sometimes, but it, he definitely doesn't know how to do this character sexy.
0: Yeah, he he's he's, he's very uh, enamored with the crotch shot.
3: That is true. Yeah. But it does, like, I feel like I'm defending myself in front of my mom and dad. Like, they found this comic, and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, <laughs> that's for, for jacking off to. I think that's just for, you know, he's just doing angles. But I could be. This may be massive. blasphemy,
0: but uh, Ant reminds me a lot of Ronin.
3: I love it. God damn it, I love it. <laughs> please, please continue.
0: It really No, I mean, look, look, at, the, look at the approach in the line. It's, it's, it's almost as if he's inking with a, with a, a burnt chopstick, right? It's very ragged and, and there's a pulse to it and it's all over the place and, and immediate. And I love that. I mean, if I will keep giving him money as long as he keeps making comics like these. That's, that's the whole Eric Larson aesthetic for me. Love it when he draws Savage Dragon, which is more in his usual st- style. And I'll keep buying that. But <clears> this <throat> ant thing, it's just weird. Um, and it's it, you. Can you sit down after reading an issue, thinking, "All right, I know what's going to happen next issue." I mean, the, the, you you can't plan. There's no guessing where Eric Larson's going to go.
4: It has
3: it leaves so like the artwork and the reading experience is fun, and it leaves so little of an impact on me that I read it. I went to go to the groomer to pick up Baxter from the from the dog dog place, and I was parking. It's like a less than a mile from here, and I was like what did I just read? Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, it took me literally a minute to remember that I had just read Ames. Not, It's not making a, a, a deep impression but now that you've compared it to Ronan that's all I'm going to see when I read this <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nice.
3: The Ronan for the for the new generation.
0: Ronan with breasts.
3: Yeah. It's all that was really missing. It's always been my main complaint about Ronan is that he did not have breasts. For not sure. Not, yeah, not enough breasts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was missing. Oh.
3: Um, then I read the new Oswald's body. I'll, I'll, I'll stop after this one. Oh,
0: isn't that great? Uh,
3: yeah. Have you guys kept up? on it? I think Jason was the one that, that first pointed this out on the show. Um, and I went to I went to grab it because I, I'm trying to find like my in on Christopher Antwell comics. I, I haven't found the one that I wanted to read, and this one so far has been really fun. Um, and a, and a, I assume next issue will be the last or the second to last because the the ending of it was great. I
2: thought I think it's... you haven't uh, I'm sorry you haven't read any of his Iron Man
3: no I didn't read the Iron Man I watched the Halt and Catch Fire and then that was like that was so good that I was like well let me see what comics this guy is doing because um, I saw he's doing comics but then I'm just I'm very curious like he's he does signings here in LA and uh, I know he's friends with like some of the shops I'm friends with so I'm gonna try and go meet this guy because I just want to know like why wouldn't you just do like if you, once you're doing Halt and Catch Fire do that and then just do like whatever fun comics you want to do. And I definitely get like doing stuff like this where you're like doing a story that is easier to get going in comics than it would be to get going as a TV show. But that on Catch Fire is like, is like incredible TV. And then I said like, he's doing some licensing now that like a, I don't think it's God Godzilla versus Power Rangers, but it's like that level of thing where I'm just like, why is this guy what's going on? <laughs> i have questions <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i guess that's sort of rude for me to just meet this guy for the first time and be like why are you doing uh you know nonsense what's happening
1: it definitely wasn't me i haven't read i haven't read a single issue of this so it wasn't me no happen. it was no. it
0: was me i just don't like to correct people mm. i'm sorry no we're good who cares uh but the uh anything jfk conspiracy will attract me um i that may be a surprise but, Except for Department of Truth, but yeah, no. Well, when it, I'm not, whatever. Uh, but when when you have this this ragtag group of of agents that are like, the, the 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 gay guy, the guy that's uh, you know the, the singer songwriter. It, it's just Thanks, str- it's a strange. Th- yeah, the guy that eludes. Law enforcement like that's why you were brought in because you're really good at not getting caught. You suck at robbing banks, but you're you're very adept at getting away from the law like that is that a skill okay uh it it's just a strange book and and I think the the off kilter nature of the thing is what drew me to it after the first the first issue I was like, okay, I'm locked in uh and that's kind of rare with with uh you know stuff that uh isn't super strange like this is is it's strange enough to pull me in uh a la the jfk angle yeah but i think the the writing was superb and and uh the art's very nice too
3: yeah i like the characters in this a lot and i also think the the fun part is how they're sort of playing between raindrops of what the established jfk story is Right,
0: right they're not changing anything
3: yeah like you could read this book and you could read history and you could they've they've made a room where all this stuff could have happened but you know obviously it didn't happen in exactly this way so far as we know jason i think i thought you read it because the first issue was a getting the band together issue and i know you like it so.
1: yeah i and i think vince must have talked about this in one of the episodes i wasn't here maybe you were on in my place which is why you remember this i i, I don't I was. I haven't even given this a thought to read yet, um, mainly because I, like you, Tony, I, I, I have read some Cantwell things, and none of it heretofore has has drawn me in. I mean, I, Doctor Doom and Iron Man were just hard passes for me. I, I I tried them both, and and it's just neither of them connected with me. So I, I just kind of put him in the category of oh, I don't know that I really vibe with this stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and not check this out either. Yeah,
3: give us a look when the trade comes out. I think you dig it. It's uh, regarding the mo- the matter of Oswald's body body from Boom. It's so it's like a JFK thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was the showrunner for Paper Girls. So, oh
3: um, shit! Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I just um, didn't realize that either.
1: And it's really unfortunate because apparently there is a Christopher Cantwell that is a yes, white the, supremacist.
3: The weeping Nazi, the Charlotte. crying
1: Nazi. Yeah. So, uh,
0: so why is he Google, crying? It,
1: I don't know. If you Google Christopher Cantwell, though, it brings you to articles about Christopher Charles Cantwell, a.k.a. the Crying Nazi, an American white supremacist, neo Nazi, anti Semitic conspiracy theorist, federal informant, and convicted felon.
0: So, oh, nice. He's got everything going for
3: him. He's, he's, the, he's the Crying Nazi because there was a, I think it was like a front line, it was like a PBS. When Charlottesville happened, he was like a big face on the front of it. And then afterwards, when everything went to shit for those dumb idiots, he kept, like, getting recorded. Like, somebody was following him for a documentary or something, or a reporter, and he just cried and cried, like, a little
0: racist. Oh,
2: much. Jesus. Beautiful. I figured he was crying just because he realized, finally realized he was so inferior to everybody.
1: Oh, you know what? I I Because that was on a Vice documentary. I've seen that. Yes. Yep, yeah, I've seen that. I didn't know the guy's name, but yep. Okay. Well, that stinks it, for Chris Cantwell. Chris. <laughs> I mean, I have a name that's not all that uncommon, and it's you don't want their name to be you don't want like the the most famous version of your sake, to be a, a a neo-Nazi. That's yeah, that's I true. would I
0: would truncate the name to Chris or something. Well, he is
1: Chris, right? is he, Oh no, he is Christopher. Now they're both right? Christopher. Yeah, jeez, yeah. he's taking a real stand on keeping this. Yeah, he's going for it, right? Yeah. He's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get my, my name, name. back.
4: Own I wanna... it.
3: I mean, it's not only is he a, a white supremacist. But he's also a pussy one
1: too. Like that is <laughs> right. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. The
1: guy can't win. Now, this show thing. you're talking
2: about, I, I, I I'm not unaware of the show as well. Oh, I, Catch Fire? Yeah, I, 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 tried the first couple episodes. I mean, I'm glad people loved it. I just and Lee Pace is fantastic in it. I th- and um, Mackenzie Davis is that her name? Yeah, yeah, from from, from Terminator. Terminator everything. I mean, she's every uh, the acting. Was great, and I was kind of into the story, but there was just something I don't. I, it may have just been an AMC thing with me because I I enjoyed Rubicon, and they fucked that up and killed it, and and it's just it, it's it's a nifty show. It just there wasn't it didn't keep me going, but I do know people who stuck with it really really think it's the bees knees. So I think you'll Jason. I just it wasn't for me. Tony loves it, obviously. Mm-hmm. I binge
3: the whole thing jason here's what i'll catch fire is it's set in texas it's like a like a texas instruments but like a not you know a tv brand texas instruments and it's in the early 80s and lee pace is like this disruptor guy that shows up at this computer company and goes like we're gonna make pcs and then it sort of like takes you all the way through pcs and he hires this hacker mackenzie davis um and she's she like thinks he's a suit and a piece of shit and, like everybody has sort of like Dark histories and secrets and stuff. It's great. It's like a like a, a business computer hmm. show. All about the business.
4: Yeah. Okay.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I'll shut up for a while. That's what I've been reading.
2: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, since we started with licensed comics, um I'll uh there are a couple of things thanks to um publisher sending us previews i uh read the first issue of cowboy bebop from uh from titan and uh which is written by dan waters and uh art by lamar Mathurin. matherin and because i absolutely adored well i still do because i'll go back and watch it the netflix show um and i'm making my way through uh the anime i didn't i didn't know really what to expect with the titan book but i'll be damned if if i didn't think it the art is the art threw me a little bit because it is it's it's um it's a bit exaggerated it's a little cartoony it, 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 there's a lot of sanford green in spots but um i think it, it 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 does a good job of capture because it's based on the netflix show so it's not based on on the anime so it, it's it's a story that takes place within the, uh, the handful of episodes we got uh, on the show but it's it's an original story um and our uh the fearless heroes are after a uh after after someone who's kind of uh he, he has the ability to manipulate luck he's got some luck powers uh, and I'm not gonna give anything away there but it it's um it's it's fast paced a lot of action going on uh it just it did remind me of and, and there's there's a uh there's a scene. Um, around the middle of the issue that 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 is reminiscent of the opening scene of of the series from from the premiere, um, at the uh, at the casino. But yeah, I I dug it a lot. I thought um, I, I will definitely be checking out uh, the remaining issues. I think it's a four issue mini. Uh, I mean, even the bounty hunter, um, cowboy and and, and cowgirl are, are shown. It it just it really. Evoked the show for me. The the colors are a little muted, uh, but it's still it's fitting with and and everybody sounds like it, it reads just as if uh, they were going to turn it into into an episode. And and it, it it you could it does take place around the middle of the series because Ayn is a part of um of the crew and and if you watch the series, you know she Ayn uh, doesn't Ayn kind of gets left behind although you do see ein again uh in the finale but um but it was it was nifty if if you were on the fence and but you enjoyed the netflix show i think uh i think you'll dig uh do the comic a bit and uh from oni there were um there are two new rick and morty number ones that uh one is Rick and Morty presents, and and it's a uh, it's called Morty's Run, um, which of course is is a takeoff on on Logan's Run, and that's um, it's not necessarily an anthology. Uh, the, the This particular issue was written by um, Ivan Cohen, illustrated by, and I don't know really how to pronounce this, but it's spelled P U S T E. That's the name. That's it. Um, and yeah, Beth and Jerry are going to send Morty away to to summer camp, but Rick's got something else in mind. So, uh, there's a doppelganger. He sends an analog in, um, in Morty's place, but it's from an alternate reality, of course. And, and it's a very, um, jacked up looking Morty who isn't exactly very smart. So, uh, they leave him at camp, and while Rick goes to take care of his thing, he leaves Morty on a planet where he'll fit right in because everybody's 13 years old. Nobody grows older than that, um, and it's kind of explained why. and And it this this particular story I dug because it absolutely fit with Morty's character on the show the whole ups and downs he goes through with with being attractive to this alien woman or girl and 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 how she treats him it just it all tracks it, it 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 was a really clever way to do it um the art was extremely fitting uh but the but the one that i really enjoyed of the two uh was rick and morty infinite infinity hour number one and what i dug about this is um as the series as as the cartoon has progressed over the five seasons we have gotten um Rick's backstory we've gotten bits and pieces of Rick's backstory of, of who he was before he uh, became this um alcoholic kind of deadbeat dad and uh, what he was like when he was married with Diane when Beth was a little girl and this Infinity Hour takes us through um his earlier days when when he uh when he worked um for what he was trying to work for NASA and uh and then he how he um he lost his job and uh he picks up an alien hitchhiker who um just the the uh the aliens looking for bird person and it's it just really i had a lot of fun reading it because there are things that if you if you watch if you watch the cartoon and it's something we do nightly because my wife can't go to bed until she sees an episode and uh there are easter eggs throughout this issue um throughout that that you'll pick up if if you've watched any number of uh of the episodes over the years but uh yeah i just i i what was weird is that going through previews the the rick and morty dungeons and dragons crossover is in the idw section published by them even though it's got Oni's name on the cover as well and it, it, and and it it was weird to me that, that that's an inter company crossover but it you know I guess D and D I I I guess IDW has the D and D license, but um, I just thought that this this issue and it is a uh, it's. I think it's a mini series. I think it, I think Infinity Hour is is a four issue mini, but uh, this that Infinity Hour is written by um, Magglio and art by Mark Ellerby, and and the art in this one is a little. Little cleaner and more in line with what I what you'd see in the cartoon. The, Morty's run is, is fine and it it's absolutely complementary to the cartoon. But Ellerby's um, style just kind of spoke to me a little more, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I, I yeah, Ellerbee basically
4: the
3: original guy too, right? I feel like he did like number one. <sighs>
2: I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the one, the issue's written by, uh, Kyle, right? Starks? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I dug them and I know that, you know, listen, I, there are some things, there are some properties or some, some franchises that, uh, yeah, some properties that I don't, that don't necessarily translate well. They they just, you know, stand in their lane, stick with whatever medium brought you your, your notoriety, but, uh, but there are, it's, it's, and because we only have like it, it, it's been five seasons over God only knows how many years, but every season's there's only been like about fifty episodes of Rick and Morty, so it's not like um, there's a ton to. It's it's not like it's The Simpsons where it's like you know thirty odd seasons of of twenty plus episodes each, but um, there's still a lot to. Dig into as far as uh, that universe, and because it is all alternate realities, and and he doesn't do time travel, and and it's just it. There's so many little things that just tick off all the boxes, and and I was I was apprehensive at first to 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 try the kind con- because I mean it's just it's like Adventure Time or 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 anything like that where you just kind of you just enjoy the cartoon, you enjoy the the, the source material, um, but. At, so far, the Rick and Morty issues I've read at, at various spots over the years have um, have have clicked. I think I think, uh, think Oni has done a uh, solid job on uh, running with the license. But yeah, th- th- those are the uh, those are a few things I've read this week so far.
3: Rick and Morty anchor right here, of course, expert on the, on
2: the subject. Yeah. Instead of talking his own book up, jeez. <laughs> I, but I didn't I I didn't I should have voted for myself in the Oklahoma, but yeah. yeah. You took do you still have the anchor category? You got to, right? Yeah, we do. Oh yeah, they, they Dap
1: got a couple votes.
2: Nice. No shit. All right. You yeah, missed that you on the did. spreadsheet. All right. Yeah, Props. All right, People. Yeah. Love you all. hmm Who's next?
3: Uh That's... I'll talk about something. <laughs>
0: Go for it.
3: You want to go? Why, I'm sorry.
0: Why no, no, no. You go. Um,
3: <laughs> I, last time I was on, we did mouse, and I but I read a bunch of other stuff because I was like, oh, we'll probably talk about a bunch of other stuff, and then obviously anything you talk about on the same episode of mouse is going to sound silly by comparison.
0: Right. Well, that's why we brought no you doubt. on yeah. the, because you said at the last at the end of the book of the month, you said, but I have so much to talk about that I read, and so now you have nice. every opportunity to do it.
3: So I read the last issue of uh, Terry Moore's serial came out and I had let a bunch of these stack up. I feel like I read like the first three and then like always, I was just like, I'll catch these all when, when it's all finished. Um, and I, so I finished it all out last week and I think, um, it's one of the better, like, I think I liked it better than like five years or strangers in paradise 25. Um, these these sort of like shorter 10 issue things that he's been doing the last few, you know, last few years. Um, basically, the premise is it's Zoe from Rachel Rising, the little girl who's like, a
1: what, what even is she?
4: Uh,
1: <laughs> Jason, do you remember? Well, she I mean, she's basically eternally youthful because she's got a um, like a succubus, in, right. you know, in possessing like possessing her, her form. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like a little murder girl.
3: Right. uh, And she was so much fun in Rachel Rising, seeing the kind of shit that she would get up. She's like this vicious killer. Um, And this is sort of like what I would describe as like the pilot episode of the Zoe Mysteries. Where like she's now she's doing like a Dexter and there's a serial killer who uh, is a killer of men. Who, it's like a woman serial killer who's killing men who uh, like take advantage of women. Uh, and Zoe's cool with that, but then she also kills uh, one of the men's wives who didn't know anything that was going on, but she assumed that she must have. Um, and that woman was a friend of Zoe's. And so she ends up deciding, like, all right, well, I'm going to hunt down this serial killer and and get justice for my friend. Um, but it's cool because it's basically like watching uh, this child investigate <laughs> a serial killer because while she she does have a succubus and there is magic stuff going on, like she doesn't have any sort of like supernatural detective skills. So she's just sort of got a. But she's also, you know, like hundreds of years old. So she's super smart. She, like she's seen enough in the world to, to know how to put stuff together but she she doesn't have any sort of like you know superpowers for figuring out. She doesn't see like a, a murder aura around somebody necessarily. Um so yeah, this is just the story of Zoe hunting down this killer and on the one track we're watching the Zoe stuff and then on the other track we're watching the killer stuff um and then eventually over the course of the 10 issues they sort of bump into each other a couple times and then collide uh, at the end. I I hope that he does more zoe adventures like this i feel like the the reason he's breaking everything up into these 10 issues is just a financial reason like it's like a business model he can get a pop on a first issue and then get another hit you know 10 months later when he puts out a hardcover you know put out the two trades and like it seems like it's like at this point he just has like a model figured out um where he has his audience and it doesn't necessarily you know get too much bigger or larger or smaller as, as the years go on. I feel like the people that are, that are reading it now are the ones that have been and will continue to for the most part, but I'm the ideal Terry Moore customer. Cause I always buy the issues and then I just get the hardcover when that comes out to
1: same Z's.
4: Yeah.
3: I feel like I'm doing my part.
1: Um, do you think
3: I, I have friends, like I'm the Terry Moore fan amongst my friends and everybody else is, los bros hernandez and i feel like there's sort of like a a, like a never the two shall meet in the middle for me for me it just has to do with like what my age and the accessibility of the first issue of strangers strangers in paradise versus the accessibility of the first issue of love and rockets like i feel like strangers in paradise has that three issue mini that's like tells you exactly what the vibe's going to be you can get in on this and the first love and rockets uh is not like representative of what
0: the book is like, necessarily. Correct. So
1: yeah. That, I mean, that certainly seems like a premise that we would be in evidence of, right? Vince worshiping at the altar of Love and Rockets, uh, I not necessarily gravitating toward it, at least not in a strong way, and obviously loving Strangers in Paradise, and Vince not liking it very much, That being a bit of a tiebreaker in that he likes both, so I don't know... <laughs> I don't know where we would stand there. I will say the older I get, the more I have enjoyed some of the Hernandez brothers stuff, but i it seems like I enjoy some of the more i don't know if one offs is the word, but like you know some of the like like some of the stuff we've done on the show that's out of that just kind of stands on its own. It is in the continuity, certainly, so I know people that are steeped in it get something extra out of it but but I've definitely enjoyed it i mean i I really enjoy obviously the the naughtier parts of the Hernandez brothers, which we would never get from Terry, like he, you know, Terry's not gonna, you know, Terry gets R-rated, but he's never gonna show you, you know, hardcore stuff. Whereas the the, the bros certainly are willing to go that route, and I'm yeah. all for it. So uh, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I don't. I've never heard someone pos posit that th- those two is sort of
2: in <laughs> either or thing. and Bloods.
1: <laughs> <I> mean, yeah, <laughs> seriously. I mean, the sharks and the jets over here. I don't know. Like Texas lesbian
3: comics beef. <laughs> I do, like all like I've noticed uh like Piscor on the kayfabe is dismissive of the Terry Moore stuff, but worships the That's the true. Love and Rockets. And I feel like maybe early on people were like maybe they thought it was like a like a, a biting situation or like this this guy's trying to do Love and Rockets. I'm not sure. Vince, can you speak to that at all? Do you remember when this stuff came out?
0: Divisly. no i'm here uh I, yeah i d- i do remember when it came out and i i remember being completely baffled by the first issue of love and rockets to the point where i'm like wow this is cool but it's all over the place right um and uh, i think it's a it's a matter of not only is it a matter of taste like i'm not going to disparage against terry moore guy's very good at what he does but I I don't think there's anything in the Terry Moore catalog that even comes close to like Poison River, or or Human disa- uh, Disasterism. Like the, the the Love and Rockets, the 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 Bros have managed to tap into a a wellspring of of. Mm situate characters and situations that are so expertly manipulated that you almost feel like you're inserted into the narrative where terry Moore stuff was good but i thought it was a little too saccharine at some points for me it,
3: it feels almost like uh like tv versus movies sort of when i when I think about it. like i feel like the hernandez stuff is sort of like uh like um it, prestige it, movies and and the Terry Moore stuff
0: reads like prestige TV. It's almost like Twin Peaks season three versus supernatural, right? Like, oh, come uh, on, take it easy. I'm just saying the <laughs> bulls, you wouldn't compare Beto, uh, or Gilbert to David Lynch. Come on.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I guess t- Terry does tend to stick more to like, even when he does fantastical stuff, it's sort of is contained in, a in, a uh, accessible ground level, like jump on thing but i think to his credit too you know but like th- there's not any too one of those books you could pick up and read
0: right there's not too much stuff in terry moore's catalog that's open to interpretation the surrealism right. is kept yeah. to a very low i mean it, when I, I can't even remember when it, when he did get surrealistic or experimental I, it's just again i don't want to compare the two because they're, they're they're all very fine creators it's just that what do you love right yeah what speaks to you? And Love and Rocket speaks to me where I bought a, i Terry Moore has uh, a lot of my money because I bought Strangers for a, a good stretch. Uh, like what? Maybe, th- I don't even know what the original run uh, went to, but I, I could, I had a, at least a, a half foot stack of them. So maybe 30 issues I, I bought and I, en- I enjoyed it. But in the end, I, I didn't, in- I didn't love them enough to keep them.
3: His writing for me feels so, just because I've been reading it for so long, and it was one of the, um, like, seminal, creator-owned, like, when I think about wanting to make creator-owned comics, I think about him, I think about David Lapham, basically those
0: Yeah, two. yeah.
3: Um, and so, for me, it just feels so comfortable sliding into that, that anything that he puts out, I can just sort of pick it up and feel real, like, just dive right into it. And I think Hernandez Brothers, the stuff that I've read, there's it's, it's just a, a different... Uh, barrier of entry basically
4: mm-hmm.
3: it, t- it takes a little more investment and even though like I love I love Jaime's art uh, I haven't I haven't just I haven't taken the deep dive on it yet and right. I always feel like there's a like whenever I think about Terry Moore stuff I always think about like man those fucking snobs <laughs> <laughs> like the strangest I always think about the love and rocket snobs that would just be like oh poop <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I well, it's the comics journal aesthetic, right? Yeah. Well, they 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 foster that whole way of thinking. But um, speaking of, of so de- the T.C.J. wasn't a
1: fan of Terry.
0: Oh no, I think they. Um, I don't know if 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 it depends on who wrote the review, right? Because there was a mm-hmm. bunch of people. I, I could. I don't remember reading scathing reviews of of strangers in the comics journal, but I. I I don't know. I can't I can't I'd have to to you know go scan the back issues. Uh I don't know. But uh speaking of David Lapham, did you were you ground floor on Stray Bullets when it came out?
3: Um I think I was issue 3 or 4 whenever it popped up in Wizard, then I got that whatever the newest issue was and then and went back from there.
0: I can remember it was probably one of the more shocking First issues I've ever read because I can remember I, I I really loved David Lapham from the Valiant days and then uh Jay told me i was going to get a chubby Warriors of Plasm like I I loved his art and but it was a very it was in a very particular vein with the Valiant right and and the the just oddball quality of Warriors of Plasm and I'm like all right Lapham's on his own book here it is I'm gonna read it and I'm like. What in the hell did I just read? <laughs> what is this? It is it is so far removed from everything I've come to know about this man. And I I loved it, but man, I did not expect that. I it, it was it, shocking.
3: It was at a time when people were doing that, like that was basically his young blood or his Wildcats or what like he was on a superhero thing and then he did his own book and that was straight bullets. But I remember after stray bullets i just assumed everybody that made comics had that in them you know they're just like oh he can make a comic he could probably do his stray bullets uh and not everybody <laughs> has that in them. you
4: know like right yeah a of drawing
0: but to be it. very honest the stray bullet stuff is light years ahead of anything he did at valiant and and uh the the plasm stuff like yeah that stuff's great and and he, it made me fall in love with him but then you know the 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 straight bullets just the the way he manipulated this the narrative and the characters are great and amy race car and just the just the the um uh, weird dark look into like this seedy group of people that yikes it was it it, it just spun my head around and it's like i didn't know that he had that in him you couldn't tell that he had it in him from the stuff that Mm -hmm. came before it was just one of the more shocking issues i've ever read
1: i have to credit uh my love for stray bullets to ron richards of uh oh right right yeah yeah he was i mean that's one of his favorite series of all time and when ron was some some out there may forget that ron was the coo of image comics for a few years and um, and he was instrumental in getting Lapham to finally finish the last arc of the original run and then they released that awesome collection the uh, uber alice edition which collected all of straight bullets proper yeah i need and that yeah uh, yeah i don't know if it's it may be out of print i don't i don't i mean I'm not i sure. think it was
0: just solicited about two three months ago oh they put it in or re-solicited oh, cool.
1: yeah 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 cool yeah um and then uh and that came out at the same time that uh killers the 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 you know the new series yeah. came out and then and then and then after that we've gotten sunshine and roses, which has actually gone on longer than the original straight Bullets. right, right yeah, yeah. yeah yeah
0: um i'm glad you're yeah, still so doing I,
1: it I, 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 yeah no for sure i mean and uh he's a cool dude i mean he he's he's listened to our show before and we've talked about the 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 book and um He's very accessible. I've gotten some art from him, but he's he's like very approachable and um oh, very, dude. very uh self effacing. He's he's not he's not one he, he does not have an oversized ego relative to his own work. Um so Why can't and we get him in, why
0: don't you get him on?
1: Like why I've 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 suggested it. I, I, I get the sense he's not you know, he's one of those creators that's not real into hearing his own voice.
3: I've never heard of him, I
1: don't think. Yeah. Um I've definitely tried to you know I've put in the offer putting I've put the offer out there a few times over the years and he's never been like you know he's never said no I'm not into it but he's also it's almost like whatever we're discussing at the time he just acts as though i he didn't he didn't register the request <laughs> you know what I mean um and <laughs> that's fine. Like I can respect that. Like I'm not gonna like I'm not. You
0: know, I mean, can't can't pressure somebody. But
1: yeah, we would love. I would love to have him well, on. He, he I think can. he'd be such a fascinating person to talk to about his career. And
0: yeah, um, innocence of nihilism has become a part of my lexicon ever since uh, he he used that on the first um, Stray Bullets collection. Like that, I, I I love that phrase. Yeah, yeah, I think he's great. Yeah. I think
3: next time they're putting out a Stray Bullets, you should uh, give them the hard press. Because I feel like the the reach that your show has would would make an actual difference to the sales of Stray Bullets. Oh. His
1: art sales are dumb. Like, he charges ridiculous. stupid low prices for his art. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm talking about, like, like, 200 or less for a page. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, it's nuts. It's I got nuts.
3: five for 100 bucks one time. But they, like, they weren't Stray Bullets pages. It was just, like random you know here's it from a action comics or here's a daredevil page or it was just he called it his orphan sale where or it's just pages that didn't go together <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: i would i would pay good money for juice squeezers pages mm-hmm. like that goof, sometimes the goofy book that he did it's like yeah sure i love his art i think he's, he's wonderful
1: yeah you can go to stray bullets original art dot com shows you <laughs> kind of old school it is. And, uh, he's literally got like an old blogspot blog and he just has art up there with, uh, you know, like in a old HTML page and with the prices listed. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm strolling now, like stray bullets, sunshine Sun roses page, 160 bucks or 50 bucks, 150 bucks. Woo-hoo! Like, yeah, it's nuts. Um, that's it great. It really is nuts. So
3: he was having a bunch of sales at one point and I had bought a, a bunch of pages. I have a cover, um, and I, I, messaged him. And I was just like, "Hey, are you okay? Like, what is everything all right?" And he was like, "Yeah, we're fine." I, I, I guess he just had a bunch of kids, and they all sort of went to college around the same time.
0: Oh, nice!
3: So he was—he's always trying to sell that artwork.
0: What cover do you have?
3: Uh, it's from Stray Bullet, Sunshine, and Roses. It was one of the more affordable ones because it doesn't have people on it. But it's the—it's like the back seat of. The, the car, and the
1: kids drawn the Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Perhaps those, to those you.
1: Because they're small. Oh, Vince, I'm looking at Juice Squeezer's, juice squeezers pages right here. How much? Uh, 100 bucks. 150 bucks. 100 look, bucks.
4: Look at that. Bucks. Yep. I feel
3: I like can... somebody went through and grabbed a lot of the super good bug ones. Uh, but yeah, I see those when I go on there and scroll around. He's got a ton of them.
0: That is neat good to know
1: yeah and he's he's uh he's currently taking and often is taking commissions I, I i availed myself of a commission from him i guess right the year before the pandemic so that well, I guess it was what 19, 2019 um where he did uh my girl domino in uh and and Ginny together uh nice. so yeah nice did I ever see that yeah yeah I showed it off at the time you liked it you liked because it, it had Ginny in it Awesome. It's basically Ginny and and Domino sitting on a uh, outcropping, getting ready to shoot someone. Like Ginny is her, uh, Ginny's sort of like at Domino's side, learning how to be in a, a sniper. As it should be. Mm-hmm. Nice. Such as it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jason, what else do you have?
1: Well, i read a, uh, an issue this week that uh, had me feeling all sorts of King Dappy. Um. So you got you angry? No, no. This is the this is the normal King Dappy, the one who oh. loves life and loves comics. Uh, I no surprise, I, I'm currently a huge mark for Nightwing. It was my superhero comic of the year last year. Uh, Nightwing number eighty nine came out this week, written by Tom Taylor and art by Bruno Redondo. And it reminded me of the King because it is a crossover. With Tom Taylor's other book right now, which is one of David's favorites on the stand, Superman Son of Kal El, and it marks the first time uh, in this continuity that uh, that that Dick Grayson teams up with uh, with John Kent, and it is just a, a treat. It's a real treat, and it makes me very much want to get caught up and read the Superman Son of Kal El. Um, and and you know, I, as someone who grew up as a Marvel zombie and then has tried to play catch up reading DC as much as I can over the last 15 or so years. There's, there's this thing, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about big two comics and, and, and it's people have their preferences, what have you. But, but I will say that the thing that DC has over Marvel and will always have um, when done right is the legacy, right? Like the, the, the value of the legacy. Um, not to say that Marvel doesn't have legacy to an extent, but it was never core to what made their books special. Um, whereas with DC, it very much was a core part of most of their key books and always has been. And so when it's done right, I feel like that's when, when DC really shines and it would make sense that someone that's a, a writer at the top of their game, writing two characters with legacy can bring them together. It would feel special. And, th- and that's what this issue really did for me. Um, There's just these nice little callbacks that even someone who isn't steeped in decades of DC lore picked up on, um, like we were introduced in this issue to the first time that uh, John and Grayson uh, meet up. And it's when John is little, like Super Sons level, and he had just gone on his first night flight. And so he gets lost. He can't find his way back home. And so Clark is freaking out and he gets a uh, Batman and Nightwing to help him look for, for John and they find him. And, uh, and it's cool because like the Redondo draws Batman and Nightwing in their new 52 outfits, which would have been right in terms of this continuity, in terms of John being a kid and like just little touches like that were cool. And then obviously this plays very much on the premise of, of Dick Grayson, who's, In this continuity probably in his early 30s being a mentor for for john right which is a perfect conceptual continuity with how many decades of stories we have where clark served as a mentor of sorts to dick in many ways kind of the yin to batman's yang giving him aspects of of being a hero and a and a a good person that 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 his adopted dad necessarily wasn't capable or willing to give him and so there was just all the feels in this book. I thought it was really well executed, um, and I liked that they didn't need to catch me up with what's going on in John's book. And yet, I still felt like I had a connection to John. We there's a there's a there's a part where John is interacting with his. And I don't know. D-Dap, is it, is is it his husband? His boyfriend? I don't know. I, I don't know the relationship. Uh, you know, John's John's a lover. I don't. Is, is it like? Yeah. No, it,
2: they're 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 um. It's
1: just starting they uh they're not so they're, it, they're boyfriends. they're boyfriends they're not yes. married, okay. yeah, yeah, but we get we get uh, some interaction with with them, and then we get some juxtaposed interaction between um uh Dick and Barbara Gordon, who are together in this book, and it just the whole thing just just sung to me it, it sung it was just a, a really nice love letter to the legacy of the Batman and Superman characters and the generational gaps between them, and it was nice to see it flipped on its head a bit in that that is now mentoring soups instead of the other way. So I, yeah, I just dug get a lot. And, um, and like I said, it, 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 it was kind of a reminder to me that, that Tom is doing the the Superman book. Um, and, and that I, I do need to check that out too, because I certainly like what I saw of the character in this issue. So, and Redondo, I just think is leveled up to a point where he's just one of those, like just pristine, super clean superhero artists that, can be, Cannon should be doing a superhero book every month for like the next twenty years. You know, he's it's he's, miraculous. yeah. I mean, he's he's like he's like a Jimenez or like a Pepe LeRoy. Ra- like just just have him do cool superhero books for the next twenty years, man. Like if he wants to go and get paid and get a get a get a bag by doing a, a year or two of a creator owned with like Mark Miller or something and sell it to Netflix by all means. But but like, make sure you come back and, and give me more superhero comics because the dude has just got such a beautiful line. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, Nightwing is just. I'm gobsmacked every month when I read it because I, I sh- Nightwing shouldn't be a top of the stack book for me, but but it really is and it's a testament to, to Taylor and Rodondo.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm hoping I'll be able to grab that uh grab that issue from the shop since I found out after the fact. I, I found out that it's part one after seeing that part two was solicited in the following month.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, because I, I I haven't been buying Son of Kalal, but I will be checking out issue nine. So that now, because I have OCD, I want to read one through eight before I get nine.
4: So, <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so it's a good problem to have
0: for sure. Neat. I got another manga anthology. Gobsmack. Yeah, <laughs> this one is by uh, Tadao Suge. Who, who was one of the uh, <laughs> the artists on uh, the great avant-garde anthology Garo, so I had to have this. It's called Slum Wolf. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the actual stories because it is um, it's pretty bleak, uh, very bleak and uh it's about a uh a class of people that are pretty much the architects of their own broken houses Uh, there's stories about gangsters and grifters and sex workers and degenerates and 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 the codes or lack thereof by which they live but uh, It's, the stories impart a a hollow, bleak feeling, very bleak, uh, cold. And and it's fitting that they were created in black and white because this, the world in, that inhabits, um, Slum Wolf is not a, a pretty place. So color has no place. And most of the book is sunless. Like, the majority of it seems to happen at night. Uh, so sans light right there's it's 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 very hard to read and i've been i've been picking at it for a good month um and i I debated whether or not to bring it to the show because it's it's not a it's not a joyous experience um these are stories about society's detritus right the cast-offs the forgotten um and and suge has a really cool way uh, there's a conceptual hook to this book where he will introduce characters and their faces are completely blacked out um and at best faces have a very rudimentary um uh ab- approach the, the he doesn't get too detailed it's just uh, bare minimum markings to delineate uh, the facial features on these characters, and that's that's intentional, because these are the invisible people, the 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 the, the ones that populate the background, the 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 scenes uh, uh, of other people's lives. Right there, there's one story that that pretty much trails through the entire book of uh, a salaryman, a, a man who worked at a job for a good amount of years, and and he wasn't downsized he was just pushed into the shadows like his he was relocated from the central hub of wherever it was that he worked to the sticks you know yes thank you for serving us we still have work for you to do but not essential work like he never did anything of 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 great import but he wasn't a failure um, he was mediocre at what he did so he was employed but didn't rise in the ranks to any significant degree so in in his his older age they they kind of shunted him into the the background and and here he resides and uh again not it's it's not one of those books that's gonna instill any kind of faith in humanity in you because a lot of these peoples they're just not not nice people <laughs> but i think it's 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 a book that is rewarding because it 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 pulls these characters from the shadows into the forefront and we get a little glimpse of of how other people live uh, It's very strange and very surreal at times the, the cover especially is is very striking. It's orange and pink. I'm a sucker when when someone will employ those two colors uh, exclusively in an image it, it's a tough Uh, palette to pull off but i think the cover does it very well and it it shows two hands it's it's a a a memory one of the characters has of of something that happened in their lives and it, it it's a pair of hands and they're struggling with something that could be interpreted in a in a number of ways uh could be cloth suggesting some kind of imprisonment could be intestines which uh, imparts a totally different uh, feeling to the image. Um, I'll let you be the judge, read the book. But I think it's, it's just amazing, uh, totally worthwhile experience. There is one section that is very intriguing to me. Like I said, all the facial features are very rudimentary, the, the bare bones mark-making. But there's one sequence in which uh Suke goes in deep and it's when two characters are are making love or I shouldn't say that they're having sex right and it, and his lines are very there's a lot of them and they're far more realistic than what's happening on the other pages so I'm thinking that the vividness of this scene means that the uh the emotional resonance of this act is making them more fully realized but it it's fleeting and then after they're done he goes back to showing these characters with with very very you know uh boiled down uh essence of of uh delineation so i i think this book is is wonderful but again i'm a sucker for the avant-garde manga and this is published by the New York Review of Book, uh, no, sorry, New York Review Comics. It's a, a thick-ass anthology. Um, and there's a extensive back matter by Ryan Holmberg, who has translated um, and delineated uh, in text form Sugay's work in the past. It puts everything in perspective. Um, Garot, all of the stuff that you need to know uh to flesh out the meat of this book. I think it's a wonderful book. It's 2295 you need it. Um yes, but you're not going to do hopscotch or or you know climb to the roof of your apartment building and and proclaim your love for the world after reading this. It's it's not it's not a fun read, but I think it's a necessary uh essential read. Who wants to read just bright and cheerful all the time. I don't... Um, if you need something off the beaten path, I suggest you get this because it is uh, a glimpse into worlds that hopefully none of us inhabit.
1: I'm looking at some old school stories, huh? They, these were from the 60s and 70s.
0: Yeah. The Yes. Um uh, they originally appeared in Garo and other places. And I've been tracking those issues down. I got a lot of them, mm-hmm. but I, I don't have... Um, the whole thing and it's nice that i can actually read them instead of just looking at the images because the originals are in uh japanese and
1: i feel like these are the things that you would get at book off and we would go and they'd be in japanese and i'd be like what are you going uh, do with these yeah Maybe no i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna read these i never scored a an issue of garo oh uh, okay from okay. book off um at uh, heroes i bought uh, a bunch but yeah no uh, the closest book off comes to the avant garde is Comic Q, and I, I found a number of those uh, there, which I'm thankful for. But this is this is the, the progenitor. This is the OG uh, stuff. And keep it up, Ryan. G- give us more of this because um, this this stuff that lights a fire. It's it's extremely well done. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What else you want to drive this bus home, or we have more stuff? I
3: got one that's sort of like a. <clears throat> it's definitely not in your travels because I was disappointed.
0: Oh, mm. um, yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned that because this week I had a lot of false starts. Like mm. I would, I would start reading stuff, and I'm just like, nah, this is not doing it. Uh, I, I can't talk not even lovingly i can't bring this to the table because it, you can per, you can perceive it in i i would think you could perceive it in my voice when i'm not entirely enamored with something
1: right right yeah. and
0: i who wants to bring that to the table
3: like a tentative <laughs> no heart no your heart's not in a recommendation
0: right like, this is okay like yeah this is okay but there are a lot of better stuff out there you know like uh, who wants to listen to that shit
3: yeah, this thing that I'm talking about, and it might just be because of the format that I read it in. Uh, it's Baby Teeth, Volume 4. Um, and I was Damn, a, Volume 4, and, Jesus. Well, yeah, it's the last one. I was a big fan of the first uh, volumes of Baby Teeth, but I read them in that big Baby Teeth Year One hardcover where it's like the first half of Baby Teeth, basically. Then they put out three as a trade, and I read that, and I had read the original one recent enough that i that i kept up with it and when i was when i went to read this one now it's been a couple years and so i had to really think back on it and flip through the last trade and, and try and get my remember who all the characters are and what was going on so that might have something to do with it but my main issue with it is uh this baby teeth is the story of um a girl who gives who as a teenage mom and she gives birth to
1: basically the Antichrist. It's like Rosemary's story from Rosemary's Baby, right? Like basically, like-
3: it's like that in like a Why the Last Man. Mm-hmm. Like
1: now she's got this
3: Antichrist, and she doesn't want to let it get killed, so she's going to go on the run to to protect the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually very Why the Last Man, um, but it has demons and and the devil and stuff. Um, and I really like the format of of the. The original issue is, like, I thought Donnie Cates was really doing good cliffhangers and good, like, character stuff. I feel like a lot of that's still here. But my main issue with it is the 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 very first issue starts with this is a mom reading or, like, uh, tr- dictating a, a letter to her baby who she's like, I'm not going to live to see you grow up. So this is let me tell you about your family and how we got to this point. And a couple times in the run of the book, they've sort of gone back to that motif. Um, And in this book, they do, too. And, like, that's obviously, like, the the narrator that you're using to tell the whole story. Um, But then it was almost like it got a little too nostalgic. Because in this fourth volume, like, everybody starts sending letters to this baby. Like, Mm. his aunt gives him a letter. Somebody, like, his mom passes him like she has a second letter like it's just like uh they they know it's the end of the series and it got just a little too schmaltzy which i think was weird because the what i liked about this book was that it was real like anybody could get it at any time you know Mm -hmm. it's just sort of like fun pulp storytelling and and uh and, and that's what i liked about it but i guess when you're doing a book that's about family and about characters it's easy to sort of fall in love with that family and those characters and and want to make sure that you give every one of them like that you know full house moment where danny tanner puts his hand on the little danny christ shoulder um but yeah uh I, I wish I liked this ending more. I, I do still recommend the beginning of it, I guess. I mean, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should read the first two of these cause they're great. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I guess I would have liked to see it go out a little differently, but that's, you know, that's comics. Um, and I, I guess the other thing that, that bummed me out about it was they kept doing the thing where you, they would do page turn reveals, which I thought he was great at in the beginning of this thing. But like, Three times in this volume, the reveal was that big pink demon. Um, like every time there was some sort of like, oh no, I bet you didn't think this was going to happen, it was that same demon. You're just like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always expecting him to pop in and save the day now if that's what happens. So he looks like Cringer, but he's a demon. Hmm. Um, yeah, so Baby Teeth Volume 4 <laughs> as one or two.
0: I, I haven't tried that, but I I'm down with the Antichrist.
3: Yeah, 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 I wish it would have <laughs> I wish they would have landed that plane a little a little more smoothly I I would have loved to recommend it to people because I'm always looking for I feel like there was a time when Brian K. Vaughn was doing a a bunch of Brian K. Vaughn books and now he's just sort of doing one or two at a time and this was sort of like the the non Brian K. Vaughn, Brian K. Vaughn book for me.
0: I think it's almost an overused concept in, in a lot of, um, you know, fiction, the Antichrist. Like, uh, I would love to see someone in the middle, like a being with extreme power that just doesn't give a shit either way.
3: Uh, they get into that in this. I mean, maybe give it a look. Like, there's they do some sort of good, like revelations, end of the world type stuff where they zig when you think they're going to zag. And in and, and that is still is fun. It, it's I, I guess I have more issues with like the formal stuff in this book than I have with actual story. All right, the story I thought
0: was fine. I'll check it out. I remember Jason read I think the first couple issues. Didn't you, Jason?
1: Sorry, I was on mute. I read the first arc. Yeah, I, I read the... Um, and I... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't stick with it because I, I just, I I guess for me, I was like, oh, this is Rosemary's baby. Okay. And then I was like, uh, and then, so I didn't, I didn't really, I guess, stick around long enough to realize it was going to be a grand adventure and she was going yeah. to try and protect the baby. So, um, and, and I, I don't want to besmirch, but I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, of the writer. I, I
3: yeah, I, his persona I, I have more of an issue with than his writing. I think I, I generally
1: because like we both like crossover a lot. Yeah. Oh wait, is Cage right? Baby teeth. Yeah. Oh snap! Oh, I forgot. I thought it was Josh Williamson.
3: Oh okay. No, that one's uh, Birthright.
1: Uh, oh, I'm confusing the two. Okay. Oh yeah. no, I I got no issues with Cage at all. No. Okay. Um, yeah, you're oh, nuts well, for then... not reading
0: Birthright. Okay. It, it's, <laughs> it's 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 great. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and you went hard on that, Vince. I oh, yeah. Love yeah, it.
1: I'm just not a Josh Williamson fan generally. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't resonate with him. But, oh, no, okay. So, so yeah, no, I, I guess I just lost track of ABT then because, no, I've, I don't think I've ever read anything by Cates that I haven't enjoyed on some level. So, uh, yeah, okay. Hmm.
3: They're they're going to put it out in a couple of, like, they did that first volume as a hardcover. It's the first 12, and then they'll put out a second one. So, uh, I would recommend if you want to give it a look, check those out.
1: I know you were talking to me when you were last on because we just briefly talked, I guess, before we started because it was the mouse episode about uh, the big reveal in issue 11 of crossover. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I, I we didn't talk about because I, I hadn't read issue 10 at that point. Uh, but but uh, it's so this book is so meta, dude. Like having Bendis in the middle of the book being interrogated by <laughs> by 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 the powers detectives is like so crazy and like he's flipping out about it, and, like. And it's drawn by Oming, and it's like, yeah. it's super super meta. And I I I wonder if like that's not entertaining for a huge chunk of potential readers. But like as someone who spent, you know, much better part of a decade and a half now dissecting and talking about comics on a on an analytical level, like I just I I love how how inside baseball this book is i just think it's, it's fantastic but i don't know that like if i'm just an average go to the shop on wednesday comic reader if, if i get it at all if it's not like like sort of going over my head i don't know
3: i definitely think that like i enjoy that one because you don't I, that's what would disappoint me about the the reveal in, in issue 11 was just like that's something i could predict but i generally think that that book is very unpredictable and because so many things, like he sold God Country to to Hollywood, and he like he's got a bunch of stuff out there. But this is a totally unsellable uh, IP.
1: Yep, like, just like yeah. it's
3: only a comic book; it only works as a comic book. And I always love it when somebody does something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love it for sure.
0: You do. You always talk about crossover.
1: I, I yeah. Well, I mean, I, I yeah. It's the top I, of the stack book for me. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think it's definitely one, it was one of the. Well, it was my comic of the year last year, so I mean, there you go. Nice. Nice.
0: All right, people. Hey, if you enjoyed all of this stuff, there's more. Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. There's a whole lot of shaking going on over there. Um, Yeah, just get this. Well, you probably already know this, but you can get this wherever good podcasts are gotten and you're wanting of more book, please head on over to our sponsor, discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, and just reap the rewards of massive discounts. From Image, Grip of the Combinat will cost you $10.19. Crazy talk. uh, Heaven's Door Extra Works from Last Gasp and Keiche Koike is only $13.97. And Lightfall Volume 2, Shadow of the Bird, $22.99 or $9.09, depending on which flavor you pick. Any travels? I came up with a new game that has a new name. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'm calling it rando comica (laughs) and it's exactly what it sounds like what i did was i shimmied on over to a box that i had shunted to the side of the room i took the lid off stuck my hand in pulled out a book and i said all right i'm gonna talk about that but it's not entirely random because I did select the books for purchase. So the best case scenario for a game like this would be to walk into a comic store, head on over to the cheapy bin, stick your hand in, pull out a book, buy it, and then that would be completely random. But this is almost, well, it's about 50% random. So what book did I pull out? Well, it's, a, it's not an oldie, but I thought it was a goodie. It's from Dark Horse Comics. It's from Comics' Greatest World Week 2, which is Vortex. It was written by, well, partly written by Mike Richardson and Lee Weeks. They did the framing sequence. The main story was written by Randy Stradley with art by Eric Shanover. And uh, color by Matthew Hollingsworth. It's called Hero Zero. Any anybody? When you
3: say ever... not an oldie. Do you mean not older than thirty years old?
0: Well, it's from ninety-three. That's not so old.
3: Twenty-nine. Sorry, I'm
4: sorry. I, th- <laughs> I, I mean, I,
0: I don't consider that super old. But um, so, I mean, if you've read these Comics Greatest World books, you know that they were very tightly linked. So there's no resolution here per se. It continues into another book, which would be King Tiger uh, with a great Jeff Darrow cover. But uh, Hero Zero, it's basically a take on the Ultraman mythology. You got a kid, David McRae, who can at will transform into a giant... Ultraman esque character. Uh, it looks like a bit of a cross between Iron Man, Ultraman, and and I don't know. Um, but I mean, it's, and what does he do? Well, he lives near a uh, a research center. It's in Nevada, Cinnabar Flats, and there's some shenanigans going on at the the research center. There's a a, a, a vortex within the research center that's this distorted veil of space-time and supposedly it it erupted in in 1947 wink wink but um these three rejects from zardo's uh with like soup you know you've seen zardo's with sean connery with the with the toga-esque goofy thing and they they want something from this vortex and it spits out a dragon in the traditional Chinese dragon uh, aesthetic. And Zero fights the dragon, punches it, and it shatters and releases these four or five little uh, Oni-looking characters, and then it ends. Uh, So not much in, in terms of story, but the art by Eric Shanover is great. Like, really nice. Even the Lee Weeks, well, not even, but the League Weeks page, page is really good. But the Eric Shanover, page, Shanover pages are just wonderful. He goes in super deep on the detail. Uh, the interior of this, this Cinnabar Flats uh, Army base is very cool. Uh, there's a page that looks like it took him about 24 hours to draw. Just machinery just dripping in the background. It, it's a neat little book. Was it. Did I enjoy it? Yeah. The, the Dragon's amazing. In terms of art, it was a, a win. But it's, it's nothing that I haven't read before. So, yeah. Um, not a whiff, but not a home run either. Comics Creative World, Hero Zero, uh, which is week two of the Vortex. I think they've collected these things. In a, I know that
2: they've, uh, they've done the on-the-bus format.
0: Yeah, but they're small. Yes, well, it's yeah, smaller. Yes. Yeah, kind of neat. I I think I have them all. Some of them go for okay money. I think the barbed wire and the ghost go for and the ghost.
2: Yeah, yeah. X maybe because of the Miller cover. But I mean, yeah, there there were some that. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I was there every week. It was a buck. What the hell, man? Sixteen pages, nice card stock cover.
0: It was. Uh, I was I was there for it. It was um, easy to add them to your stack without feeling some kind of a bite. Right. I mean, Dark Horse
2: did. I mean, they they weren't trying to reinvent superhero Comics. They were just like, you know, this isn't their forte. They're, you know, if, if you love aliens and bars to the bear, then they're your joint. But you know, so we want to branch into some comic shit, and it was it. If if you were a big two fan and you wanted to give Dark Horse some love or give them a try, then they were there for it. But um, it 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 got a little unwieldy for me it was just it it, i don't know if it was too much or if it was because i mean i i dug the concept every month it's a different neighborhood or, or or section and uh and we just focus on on those characters and um i just i enjoyed being there on the ground floor to see what each and same thing with ultraverse i mean i i was there when uh whether you had prime or Mantra or firearm Solitaire. I dug it all and and it it some things stick and some things you kind of just let wither and and die out. but uh, yeah, I, I no I, 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 I second that your travels man i i I love coming across. I mean, I pick them up, but I always have a nice little smile and oh when I come across one in the back issue bin.
0: art Adam's cover? can't go wrong there um and i i think it was ghost barbed wire and x that lasted for any amount of time all these other characters have kind of faded into yeah whatever
2: all the, all the other characters were like uh spitfire
0: kicker sink well they're very derivative like anybody that that has experienced anything with ultraman is going to be like oh i mean it's 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 a big kaiju battle with a a giant protector of of whatever it's it's totally Ultraman, but whatever and king tiger is basically shang chi like okay we get it <laughs> you you want to be up there on on the sales charts but i don't think these are the ones that are going to do it you know no. big it
2: uh in your travels um I I don't know if this was solicited as a collection. I um I read numbers five and six of Superman seventy eight to finish off uh, the limited series, uh, which is of course written by uh, Robert Venditti, art by Alfredo Torres, covers by every cover was done by uh, someone different. Um, and I, I talked about the first couple of issues. If if you if you are a fan of Superman the movie, and if you want to be my friend, you should be. This was one of those things where it it definitely um it Torres did a fantastic job of making you feel like you know you were reading a Christopher Reeve Superman movie in a comic. This was this it 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 was a um the whole thing was basically Brainiac coming down to Metropolis to bottle up the city to go along with all the rest. And we find out that, uh, before Krypton exploded, Brainiac also grabbed the, uh, the city where Superman, where Cal's parents were. So, so, uh, so Lara and Jor-El are alive and well, and, uh, son is reunited with parents and, um, and and Lex Luthor is also involved because he's if if someone's going to do away with Superman, it has to be him. And and, you know, how dare this alien, this green alien take away Metropolis? And um, there's even a little bit of a team up between Lex and Superman. But uh, Superman is trapped. Joel, of course is a scientist he is able to um figure out a way to get superman out of the bottled city and um and save the day and 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 take on brainiac and also uh return metropolis to uh to where it belongs on land and the um the 6th issue was a lot of fun because there are pages where uh or, or panels where as Superman is trying to save the city while fighting Brainiac and the citizens of Metropolis are all in danger because the city is being lifted and now it might be falling. Um, And while all this is going on, you see... um, You see the citizens of Metropolis in various panels in the background of some things. There's a a panel which I'm absolutely sure has to be... um, Richard Pryor, and there's a uh, there's a panel where, I mean, because of the era, that there are probably some some uh, some celebrities or other folks that um I am not too so familiar with or aren't quite sure whether or not. Like I'm sure people from Mel's Diner are in the background here and there. There's a um, there's a panel where the Goonie Squad is they're talking about, you know, what a great day to go for a field trip because, you know, we're being taken away, um, with the city. But I thought, um, the, 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 you had Barney Miller and fish and, and a couple other folks in the background. He just, he had a lot of fun, um, busting out cameos in some of these panels as the cities, as, as the people in in the city are, are going crazy, uh, since the sky is literally falling around them. Um, and it ends when when the story wraps up it, it doesn't necessarily i i wasn't quite sure how i felt when it was over um when when, when the story wrapped up because on, on one hand it's it's kind of its own thing because mm-hmm. the events in this don't necessarily they don't lead into any of the sequels um but the way and it, and it doesn't end so that the status quo is put back. So you could read this and watch Superman and Superman two. And you know, whatever happens in here would be a nice little side story. And then go back to watching the movies and everything's fine. But the things that happen in this story um, would have likely come up or affected the sequels in some way, shape or form. So it is its own thing. It's obviously based on you know the first movie and, and and how Donner and company set that all up uh but it, it it's not necessarily it, it this is more of a sequel to the first movie, but the events in this don't obviously don't play out um in the following movies but it it was still a nifty little um it was a respite from everything else that you know if if, if you might be reading something heavy or, or you just or, or you don't want to be caught up in continuity or, or, or find out whatever is going on uh, with the Avengers or the Justice League or the exit. You just want something that is its own thing, you can sit back, enjoy it, and, and it it's comfortable because you know the source material, you know where it came from. So uh, I I had a lot of fun with it. If um, if they do more, I, I'd like to see if they continue this Particular story, or if they may uh, kind of slide in a story that uh, takes place between uh, two and three the the movies, but um, but I had I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was uh, thought it was a funky little story. Um, I dug it, and it it just it, it when I finished each issue, I definitely kind of felt like turning on HBO Max and, and watching the old movie again. But uh, but yeah, if if like I said, I'm not sure if the collection has been solicited if it has um grab it uh if it hasn't when it is uh grab it i think um i think fans of the character and of the uh of the movies would uh would enjoy it quite a bit and that i mean if you've watched the movies you probably were already buying the singles on them, unless you're somebody who just has to only get the collections but yeah in your travels superman 78 by uh, Venditti, Torres, Belair, and company. Venditti!
1: Um, Well, I'm going to keep this DC train rolling, uh, because in your travels, I hope you join me in enjoying uh, a, a single issue of artistic spectacularity, and that is Justice League 2022 Annual. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, who is currently the scribe on the Justice League ongoing. But the draw for me, uh, and I'm sure many of you listening, is this issue was drawn by good friend of the show, Mr. Sanford Green. Uh, Sanford and his crew just wrapped up Bitter Root. He's got some other things in the works that uh, – I may or may not know what's going on, but I don't think I'm at liberty to say. But in the meantime, he was approached uh, by DC to do this issue. And uh, for those that know Sanford's career, he hasn't had a chance to do many of the, um, you know, landmark DC characters before. And he doesn't have the time to do uh, an ongoing book for them, but... An opportunity to do an oversized annual featuring a lot of the key justice League characters was right up his alley, and I know he had an absolute blast doing it, so I was super excited to see the uh fruits of his labor and man oh man was I not disappointed um I am not at all current with Justice League, so uh I guess there was a risk of jumping into, but I didn't have a problem um It reminded me of a a more innocent time when we were youngsters, and we just pick up a book off the shelves and It'd often be in the middle of an arc or you wouldn't really sit there and think, well, how did this team get together and what is, why is this person on the team? It just was what it was. Like, you, it was a team comic. You, There were members of the team. Some of them you knew. Some of them you didn't. You're like, all right, cool. I'm going to go with it. And that's how this is. Um, the current incarnation, and I'm going to assume this is the team within the ongoing, but maybe, maybe not. But it's, um, it's uh, Superman, Batman, obviously. Uh, Green Arrow, Black Canary. Hawk Girl, Aquaman, The Flash, uh, and then the uh, the unusual members of the team right now are Black Adam, Hippolyta, and Naomi, uh, which is another Bendis uh, creation, new new to the uh, world of the CW, has her own TV show now, um, and um, in this issue we get Vince. We start off with an OMAC. A uh, uh, few pages. Omak is uh, doing what Omak does in the future, fighting the good fight, and he comes across Hawk Girl in some kind of suspended animation, in some kind of like stasis. He has no idea what to make of it, and uh, gets sucked back in a time vortex to the current time. And uh, he is thrust upon the Justice League, who are in the midst of having a party. To celebrate the return of Wonder Woman. Uh, now I have no—I had no idea Wonder Woman was gone, but apparently she was, and now she's back. So DAP is—is is, did Wonder Woman get killed or something? Are you aware of that? I, 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 this is all new to me. I just went with it. Um, I don't know if you know anything about it, but but apparently Wonder Woman was 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 dead, and now she's been resurrected in this issue. Um, so OMAC. Uh, Kind of gives them the what for, tells them what's going on, and uh, they have to split apart into a couple different units to track down some things. I'm being a little vague, but it's a bit of a, you know, let's go and find these components type of a thing, and so they split off, and uh, and it's amazing, and the thing for me was just seeing Sanford, whose art I absolutely love, getting to draw all of these characters, and uh, each page is just jam-packed with DC heroes. It's 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 a sight to behold. Um There's also, in addition to Omak, uh, a character called Epic, the Lord of Time. He he is... I don't know if I want to say he's the antagonist, but he's involved in the plot for sure. And the book concludes essentially as a lead-in, says to be continued in Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes. So, um, I just... I think the art is great. Uh, You know, Sanford... um, recently all of the art for this issue was just sold last week by Felix. Uh in a drop the art went in about point three seconds every page sold. Um but I did get to see the pages at least. I uh, didn't get to buy any, but I got to see the pages and, and the art, the line work was just, just phenomenal. I mean Sanford's just such a great storyteller and I just loved every bit of it. even though I don't you know, even though I jumped in cold I didn't I didn't feel like I was missing out. I I, I you know it's pretty easy to accept that these characters would be together in a team and have to meet a goal and, and execute against it. And that's exactly what they did in this issue. And, uh, I was there for it. So yeah, I really enjoyed the, this annual and, uh, it kind of reminded me of the old days when, when annuals were like special events and you'd get like the art Adams annuals, the X books. And it felt like that to me. It just felt like a superstar artist having fun with a bunch of characters and just, just popping in for an issue and then getting back out. And I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. I wish we got more of that. So
2: there's a, uh, the, the, um, with the chapter breaks and because of the team-ups it this issue absolutely reminded me of Justice League of America 200. Not, not that we, I mean the art style didn't change we didn't we didn't have multiple artists throughout the anthology but um it just instantly as soon as we got to that first chapter well, chapter 2 um with the uh with the females with the ladies all teaming up um it just absolutely reminded me of that and it was it it's um as far as going in cold because i am not i i have um justice league 72 came out this week i think uh i have 70 and 71 here so i i just jumped ahead and read the annual um because i know that i think that this is the last issue is 74 um and uh, so i wanted to kind of wait until his arc finishes or his run finishes on the book uh i'm hoping that uh the recent issues didn't necessarily lead into the annual and they don't seem to. So,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, I just went in and read it and, uh, and I I'm just echoed everything you said. It was an absolute blast. I, I dig Bendis's take on, um, on plastic man. It, it's, uh, it, it everybody, it, it, it read just like his, his run has been. Uh, so it didn't seem like anything changed up as far as, um uh, to set up the uh the upcoming miniseries. But it it's you know, it it was a blast. It was phenomenal on the art and uh and yeah, the um it just I mean the colors of it, the the line work, it just it had it it had an old time you feel in a good way. And it, it it was it was a joy. I um I really, really liked it. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you dug it.
1: Yeah, and for those that don't know Naomi's name is Naomi McDuffie in honor of, of Dwayne so yeah, that's another reason to love the character and read up on her if you're not familiar so yeah
4: uh
3: i think we're going to do a dc orama does it have to be Word. Just,
1: nah nah three's good
3: three is the magic number all right sure uh, the most unnecessary in your travels ever on this show uh, <laughs> check out the human target uh yes no, It's, uh, I think it's my favorite Tom King since The Vision. Um, And that was the one where I was like, oh, who's this guy? This is incredible. Um, And this one, I think, is probably even so far better. I mean, we'll see how how it all wraps up. Are you like me? Do you think it's impossible that the killer is not Ice? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, I think
1: she's definitely
2: someone I think it it could be for sure. I mean, I do seem... He's he's making it... Tom is setting it up so that it's kind of hard to not think it's not her,
1: right? Because yeah. he's just like so smitten with her, and
2: yeah. yeah,
3: like if it, they're going to really have to pull some tricks to make it uh, impactful, whoever whoever the killer is, if it's not Ice, I, I mean, we shall see. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, he's doing great work, and fucking Greg Smallwood, Jesus Christ, right? Like it's just, uh, it, it's like he does a thing that's different from like. It's, I don't even do this same job that he does. Like, this is a whole different world. <laughs> he's on some whole other over there shit. Uh, really great. Like, I like when he does the... He'll go on Twitter or Instagram and, like, show, you know, what influences he's pulling from. And yeah, I, it's stuff that you wouldn't expect, like, when he talks about, like, the backgrounds from uh, 101 Dalmatians. And you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, what... what are, what a smart idea to pull that sort of stuff into superhero comics. Um, And, and I feel like one of you guys talking about it a couple of weeks ago, called it a romance comic. Um, And that's definitely what it is, especially the last couple of issues. Like, it's just, uh, it's like a super romantic comic. Not that I'm, you know, like an expert in in romance comics, but I I haven't read one where it's felt this, uh, a superhero comic that's felt this sort of like, Adults, romantic, um, in in a long time, if ever. Mm-hmm. So, read Human Target. Uh, you already are if you listen to the show. So forget mm. I said that thing But read that.
1: <laughs> it's funny you, you mentioned the romance comic angle because Tom just announced he's doing a romance comic uh, called Love Everlasting with Elsa Charitier. Charitier. Oh, Charitier. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, if anyone can do it, I trust them.
2: Yep.
1: Substack.
3: This Substack,
2: I don't know. I Gotta get on it, Tony. Listen,
1: I'll be honest, and, and I, I'm not putting any... I mean, I guess I'm about to put a lot of our friends on the blast, but, like, they're all getting a huge bag... Love it. ...to, to put out an email, and I think that's cool. Yeah. And it looks like they're all following the same model, which is, like, I'm going to put a comic out on Substack, but I'm going to then immediately print it an image. <laughs> so, so like, I'm here for it, but I, I to your point, maybe, which is what you're going to, I would be... Fairly shocked if whenever the grant money in term of the grant runs out that a lot of these continue <laughs> I, I i don't see it being something that like permanently changes the face of the way creators interact with their fans
3: yeah i 100 percent agree with you i'm very happy that everybody that got the got the money got was able to get that money and then can just make creator own comics with it which is like the dream you know yeah. um but it's not a format that, like, I love it when, <laughs> like, Scotty or whoever will go on and and do an interview and they're just like, the possibilities for the way to present comics on this thing. And I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I got the Brian K. Vaughn newsletter because he's doing a, a new book with Nico Hemricon. And the format is just in the email. They just send you two pages, not even a full chapter. They'll just say two or three pages of a comic a week. Right. And it's just like, what? I mean, this is not how I want to read this comic. I guess I will just sit back and wait uh, for the thing to be done.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I guess it's maybe uh, being somebody who who makes comics. I sort of am not impressed by seeing a comic come in two pages a week because that's how we do. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm just maybe if it wasn't my experience already, it would be novel.
1: I don't know. Uh, I, I can't wait to read that book. Uh, uh, I haven't paid money to any Substack yet. I I just don't like. I was talking
3: to somebody earlier today that w- that was paying for the Scott Snyder one, and they said they were getting a ton out of those classes and stuff like that. That seems like an interesting.
1: Well, that's different, right? Yeah, I mean, Snyder f- is trying to do something different. He's actually trying, like, he's not. Which so I, I and I applaud him for that, and, and that that would seem to have its own utility. But but most of them outside of Snyder seem to have. J- jumped into the same kind of model right which is like all right I'm gonna spill my guts out to you about my process and my 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 life my life uh, angst and uh, and all that and then I'm gonna give you a comic as well
3: the <laughs> like part I actually like it's just the comic delivery I don't think works
4: mm-hmm
1: yeah. no I'd be interested in reading some of their inner monologue but I don't want to pay 10 bucks a month for that so (laughs) right (laughs) but god
3: bless i'm glad they got that money
1: not that there's anything wrong with paying 10 bucks a month to support your favorite creators
4: (laughs) 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 so
0: well there you go we hope you enjoyed this uh come back next time because we'll have more of the same just without tony maybe and we love him so much, and we thank him for being here with us. Thank you, Tony. You're welcome. Thank always, you. The door's always open for you, you and your dogs.
1: Hey, what do we got coming up from, from you, Fleece? What, what's, what's, <laughs> what's in the hopper? <laughs>
3: um, what can I talk about? Uh, well, we announced in the back of The Last Stray Dogs, um, I'm doing a book with Tim Seeley called Local Man. Yeah. We're both writing and we're both drawing. And I'm doing a book with Chris Moreno called Crosshairs, which is sort of my next, but not my last,
1: uh, like, pet exploitation. That warms my heart, because Chris Moreno, I mean, I hadn't thought of him in years, and yeah. he was, like, part of the crew back in the day, like, Windy City Comic Con, and, like, he was part of the whole, like, Norton crew, and and, and I, I thought he was a fun dude to be around and a talented cartoonist, and I just, I literally hadn't thought of his name in a long time. I don't know what he's been up to, if he, if he left comics, but... Glad to see that you're uh, you're you're bringing him back into the fold.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he worked on the studio with me for years. He's one of my best friends in comics and, and in in real life also. I guess, um, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. We we've, we've been wanting to make something together forever, and finally, it seemed like a good time for it. He's been working in animation for probably the last ten years. He worked got on Muppet Babies, and he, right now he's working on that Spidey show where it's got like. Miles and Spider Gwen and, and Spidey and their oh little, yeah, yeah. Little Miles kids yeah. comics, yeah. Um, so yeah, but yeah, we're doing a book that's like a a rabbit revenge story. Uh, it's going to be like a super gory, super cute. You know, we're excited about it. Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, and I put listen, <laughs> Tom King. Author of The Human Target, when he gives shouts outs in his comics, you guys are just like, Oh, did you read Batman? Everybody showed up inside of it. I'm throwing your family in Stray Dogs. It's a narrative. Damn right, you are. That,
2: uh, that,
3: that mentioned it. Yep. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah did I did. This, I this is my. Well,
0: you, you are the best, Tony, so what more can we say?
3: Uh, Keen eyed. Uh, Eleven o'clock fans would notice in in the end of Stray Dogs issue two, uh, some familiar EOC family members show up. There's a Renee. There's a Jackson, not named in the book, but one of the characters in the script is called Vince. I just didn't want to be like, "My name is Vince. Hello, everyone." <laughs> yeah. So, um, well,
2: I mean, he, he could they could have um, had a
3: little name tag.
2: No, I'm saying um, big dick. Uh, Jackson could have said his name over the uh, over the grave or the burning house, but yeah, it was a uh, it was. I listen. It 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 touched. Holden's me.
1: salty it, that you use Jackson now, Holden, because Holden's like yeah.
2: the, Holden's your the number Tony, one fan. Tony, the Tony
1: Fleece artwork in my in my room. I fucked yeah. this up. I can never keep your children's straight. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> I mean, R- 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 Renee's feeling some kind of way because you know, obviously, you, you guys uh, Trish heard. works digitally, but. um yeah, I just uh, no. It was it, it was great seeing that. I smiled. Cool.
3: Well, yeah, I was thinking about you guys. I was specifically thinking about something. Guys, it's like, hey. so,
2: it's true.
1: He did have us killed off in a Batman issue. Yep, by the Joker.
0: Okay, buddies, we're out of here. Come back soon. We'll be here. Thanks to Tony. Say goodnight. Tony, this is the part where you sing.
1: what did you think of Boba Fett, Tony? Uh,
3: was David. There sure a lot of Star Wars things happening on TV. I... I thought it was fun. Uh, I thought none of the characters had any motivations. None of <laughs> the <happened> for anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I,
1: I, I agree with you. Like, I guess... I, I, in if the alternative was to not have any more star wars to look at I'm ha- I'm happy it exists but I, I I I was pretty vexed by the whole point of the, the, the season I didn't quite it was quite, like they just
3: play. threw like the number of minutes on the ground in front of them and then just like sprinkled action figures out on it and wherever they landed that's where they would put stuff They're just like
1: yeah oh. it's just really weird to me because Filoni's so tight as a storyteller and I mean he's he's made hundreds and hundreds of incontinuity stories that are seemingly like have a point it's interesting that i don't know yeah this one got away from them
3: yeah maybe they're just busy they're doing a ton of stuff
1: yeah it's true they are busy now like he and Favreau are like the official official heads of star wars these days so i guess they got a lot of shit to do
3: it did make me doubt him a little bit i remember when he said all that shit about phantom menace or whatever last year on that behind the scenes thing everybody's like oh he really understands the prequels and i was just like well, maybe this guy just likes the prequels, and may- maybe we we're giving him too much credit. You know, like yeah, yeah he got yeah. a good one off, and we're just like, finally, someone figured out the prequels. And I was like, ah, oh, the prequels, you know, for what they were. I don't think we need to put them on a giant pedestal and say somebody that loves them is also the genius behind the best Star Wars. Like, maybe two things can happen at the same time.
2: It's true. <laughs> uh, next week, boys and girls, uh, book of the month. Oh, damn. Fist of the North Star, yeah, because it's oh, February, that's right, it's a short
1: month. month. That's right. Yep, yep. Damn, oker. Okay. Okay. Well, I got the book sitting right here. I'm looking at it. So yeah, haven't I've read it right yet. There. though. All right. Look forward to it. Have you read it before, Tony? I read the Viz comic back
3: in, whenever that came out in the '90s, and it was like the craziest. It was you know, I had seen American superhero comics, and I saw that. i was just like, what the fuck is going on over there? <laughs>
4: Very <laughs> uh, nice. Tip. That's it for that one.